1: What's up? It is the Nick D Podcast. I'm your host, Nick DeGilio. Episode number 123. That's right, here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The home of many varied, awesome, entertaining, funny, fantastic podcasts that you should definitely check out. Radiomisfits.com. Get on there, rate, review all of us uh, on every single platform. Check us out. Also, check out my other podcast, which I have at Radiomisfits.com. It drops every uh, Wednesday, brand new episode. It's all about Saturday Night Live. It's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. If you're an SNL fan, it is a must listen and a must subscribe. Even if you're not an SNL fan, you'll learn something that's funny, it's entertaining. I'm loving doing the SNL podcast. It's one of my favorite things ever. Um, and I'm passionate about Saturday Night Live, and my knowledge is sort of ridiculous. So I thought I'd share that. We have guests. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. We always talk about great things on SNL. um, And I really hope that you check it out. So subscribe and listen today. It's at RadioMisfits.com or wherever you find podcasts. That show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. On this episode of the Nick D Podcast... Coming up, Dan Feinberg is going to join us every other week. We talk to Dan Feinberg. Lots of TV stuff to talk about. He writes a column called The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, for The Hollywood Reporter. Been a contributor with me on uh, my radio shows from the past and on this podcast since the very beginning. We talk to him every other week. Lots of TV stuff to talk about, including the big Oscar telecast, uh, which at the time of this um, recording happened last night. So we will talk all about... um, The uh, Academy Awards. Uh, Esmeralda Leon, my good buddy, my partner in crime, will join me as she always does. We've got another Magic Megaphone message. If you have a Magic Megaphone message that you are requesting me to say into the megaphone, and the magic happens, we have a ton of these. And uh, we want them more, so please send in your Magic Megaphone request, an inside joke, a line from a movie, a message to someone special, whatever it is. The Magic Megaphone is here for you, so you tell me what to say into it we got one of those coming up uh, this, uh, this, this episode as well. We are going to start our Mexican candy taste test. Uh, Esmeralda and I, a few weeks ago, went to a Mexican candy store here in Chicago and bought a ton of crazy Mexican candy. And we're going to taste test that because we like to eat stuff and taste stuff on the podcast and have a good time with that. We are also going to talk about myth-busting celebrity rumors. That's all coming up on the podcast if you want to be a part of this podcast at any time, if you want to be a sponsor, you got uh, something you want to advertise, listen, a lot of people listen to this podcast, so be a sponsor, advertise with us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Say, hey, I want to advertise on your podcast, sales at radiomisfits.com. You want to leave us a voicemail message? The voicemail lines are open 24-7. We want to hear from you any time of the day, any time at all with anything you want to say, 773-417-6948. You can drop us an email to anytime nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the fantastic sounds and music and audio and my buddy Ed at radiomisfits.com. So the Oscars were indeed, at the time of this recording, uh, uh, broadcast last night uh, as, this, as this is being dropped. It was two nights ago. But uh, I did watch it, and uh, despite the fact that I didn't really care about any of uh, the winners, because I hated most of the movies that were nominated. There were some moments that I enjoyed. Listen, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, she won an Oscar last night, and that makes me very happy, despite the fact that I can't stand everything everywhere all at once and am completely baffled uh, by anybody's love of that movie and the fact that it won, like, nine Academy Awards last night. Uh, Astonishing to me. But Jamie Lee Curtis is my big first and forever movie crush. I got to meet her. I love her. I've always loved her. I love everything about her story. I love the fact that she's been in the business for a long time and the legacy and the movies that she did. I love the fact that she was a scream queen in the 80s while I was in high school, and that's when I fell in love with her. I've always loved her, always. I love the fact that she had some troubles, and now she's sober, and she's very vocal about that. Uh, She's outrageous. She's gotten really goofy as she's gotten older, and she doesn't care. She's not had any kind of plastic surgery or anything. She's aging like a normal, beautiful human being does. I love everything about her. I just hate the movie that she won the Academy Award for, but... Jamie Lee Curtis won an Academy Award, and you can't uh, not be happy about that. I just didn't care about anything related to that stupid Everything, Everywhere, All at Once movie. Uh, And the other thing is, really quickly, 22 of the 23 awards last night were handed out to things that I thought did not deserve it. The only thing that I thought deserved it was um, was, uh, Natu Natu, the song from uh, RRR. That's the only category in which I agreed with what the Academy Award was given to. Every single other category, I thought, nope, that's a mistake. That doesn't deserve it. So 22 of the 23 awards that were handed out at the Oscars did not deserve to be handed to those winners at all. None of them. Uh, So despite the fact that I thought um, all of the things that won didn't deserve it, and there was a lot of horseshit uh, in major categories too, like the directing category went to the idiots that don't deserve it. Both screenplay categories went to... You know, awards went to the wrong person. The uh, adapted screenplay went to, went to Sarah Polly for writing a really, really great high school term paper, but not a movie. Not even remotely a movie. Uh, and the Daniels won, you know, original screenplay over Martin McDonough uh, for Banshees of Indicharen. It's just unbelievable. And, and, and Sarah Polly's term paper beat out, like, Living and All Quiet on the Western Front, which are actual movies and actual scripts and not, like, a 15-year-old's term paper. So, uh, and then, I mean, just so many awards, I won't go on and on, but 22 of the 23 awards went to the wrong things at the Oscars. But despite that, the, uh, the ceremony itself was really a lot of fun. The telecast was great. Jimmy Kimmel was terrific, absolutely terrific. And it's pretty much cemented the fact that he is, uh, one of the best hosts that the Oscars have had. He did a great job. His stuff, his opening monologue was great. It was really funny. Um, and, um, in general, the, uh, the the ceremony itself and the, and the broadcast itself was good. I don't like the fact that Warner Brothers has done revisionist history. They did a big tribute to Warner Brothers' 100th anniversary. And apparently Warner Brothers is responsible for a bunch of MGM classics and musicals. I didn't realize that. But there was a re- revisionist history thing happening where MGM doesn't exist anymore. And Warner Brothers, you know, owns everything. There was a nice big long commercial for the Little Mermaid in the middle because Disney's parent, you know, Disney is the parent company of ABC. Uh, There was a lot of questionable things, but overall, the ceremony was great. Jimmy Kimmel was terrific. It was very entertaining. It It went long, but it didn't bother me, despite the fact, again, that I didn't give two shits about any of the things that won because none of them deserved to win, and yet I thought it was a good show. So I think that says a lot. I think the fact that I hated most of everything that won uh, didn't care uh, uh, that Warner Brothers did some revisionist history, and that they did like a five-minute commercial for uh, the Little Mermaid and the In Memoriam. They forgot like three or four people, and it, again, it was badly handled. Despite all that, I actually enjoyed uh, the broadcast. Um, uh, they did show uh, Andrea Riceborough three times in the audience. She had a leather jacket on. That was awesome. Uh, and uh, they showed a clip from Two Leslie. So those were the by far the best parts of the entire evening. So. Anyway, we'll talk more about it because Dan Feinberg reviewed it for the fine print. So uh, that, w- that was cool. We'll mention it a little bit with Esmeralda. I think she watched it as well. So we'll get into that uh, as we record more. Also, you got to come out to Zanies. This is really big. If you've never come out to our live shows, these are a blast, you guys. You have to come. You have to come. Uh, uh, We we get up on stage, me and Esmeralda. We do the live podcast. We do a lot of the stuff that we do on the podcast. We talk. We hang out. We interview you guys. It's very interactive. The live audience becomes part of the show. We do it at Zanies in Rosemont once a month on a Tuesday. We've done it three times now. It's been a blast. Every time we get repeat customers, so everybody who's come out, please come out again and bring your friends. It is a blast. We have big laughs and a wonderful time. We give away really cool prizes. We have special guests. And it's uh, it's a blast, and we give away really cool stuff, as I, as I said. So a big special one is coming up on, uh, on Tuesday, March 28th. Mark it down, get your tickets, reserve your tickets now. Rich Coase is going to be our live guest. That's right, the one, the only, the legend, Rich Coase. Sven Gulli himself is going to be on stage with us. You'll get a chance to you will interview him, we'll hang out. Uh, he is just hilarious and wonderful, has incredible stories, and he's a legend, and he's Sven Gulli, and he's going to be with us live on stage. You cannot pass this up. This is a big special night, one time only. This is, you know, this is a big deal. Rich Coase is going to be our special guest. So get your tickets now. 847-813-0484. 847-813-0484. Say, I want my tickets to the Nick D podcast live Tuesday, March 28th. Special guest Rich Coase. Go online to rosemont.zanies.com. Rosemont.zanies.com. those tickets are going to go I'm telling you right now get them order them reserve your tickets make sure that you can be a part of this live podcast taping big laughs big prizes lots of fun and special guest Svengoolie you can't miss it I'm telling you right now all right uh, again Rosemont.zanies.com, March 28th at uh, Zanys and Rosemont Rich Co's is our special guest so you gotta go you know who uh, who wants to go
2: hi I'm Carrie Russell and I love Nick's show
1: Uh, she can't go she'll be on my back porch all right. Anyway, Dan Feinberg is going to join us to talk TV in general and Oscars specifically uh, after I tell you that you need to be congratulated.
2: Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jackoff.
0: somewhere else dan
1: feinberg and that somewhere else is of course la and uh every other week we love to talk to dan feinberg from the hollywood reporter and the fine print f-i-e-n best tv critic writer in the country as far as i'm concerned and uh he's a regular on the podcast and let's say hello to dan dan how's the weather now in la have things improved at all
0: no, no. Well, I mean, it's a little bit warmer, so that that's the thing. But definitely, the rain is ongoing. Hey, Man. I am just, I am just relieved for everybody that the the champagne carpet at the Oscars was <laughs> was only the degree of disaster that it was a disaster as opposed uh, to
1: a rainy
2: disaster.
1: Well, okay. Well, you brought it up. Let's get right into it, uh, Dan. You can read, uh, you can read Dan Feinberg at the Fine Print F I E N and at the Hollywood Reporter writes about TV reviews, all kinds of stuff. First of all, before we jump in to the Oscars, which is our first thing that we're going to lead with. Uh, Tell everyone about the podcast that people can listen to uh, weekly on The uh, Hollywood Reporter as well.
0: Weekly, indeed. Uh, that would be TV's top five. It is The Hollywood Reporter's TV podcast. I co-host it with Leslie Goldberg, my wonderful colleague at THR. And each week we go through the week's biggest headlines. We have uh, guests, showrunners, and whatnot. Last week we had Cash Carraway, who is the creator of HBO's Very Good Rain Dogs. Uh, so she was on our podcast last week, and she was really fun uh this week no doubt we will talk a lot about the oscars and whatnot because that is surely what we do uh but yes that comes out every friday uh usually very very early
1: in the morning very early in the morning tv's top five you can check it out at hollywood reporter as well as uh you can also check it out on the fine print f-i-e-n okay the oscars were uh handed out well as this drops two nights ago um and uh, the broadcast, I guess, with the overnight ratings, uh, Dan were pretty big. I guess they were up from last year a couple of times. Good, good numbers considering. Indeed, indeed. The uh,
0: for the second straight year, the telecast audience went up. Uh, the numbers that came out late on Monday afternoon, which are probably. Basically, the correct numbers at this point Uh, had the overall audience at 18.7 million viewers and uh, 4.0 in the 18 to 49 demographic. Uh, So, yeah, it was a a 12% increase overall from last year, a 5% bump in the 18 to 49 demo. So so yeah i you know look it's it is the narrative and it is a narrative that we perpetuate i made a joke about it in in my newsletter that comes out every friday i now see this newsletter about how no one watches the oscars anymore and it's it it, i made it as a joke but it is such a facile joke everyone wants to get all oh since the oscars got woke or whatever uh people don't watch anymore a, people simply don't watch broadcast television all that much anymore. B, people don't watch award shows all that much. But people still do watch the Oscars. They did extremely well. And yeah, that's a that's a very large audience for a non-sports related piece of programming.
1: Well, it's also, I think, um, one of the reasons why is um, in, you know, a conjunction with what's been happening in movies, movie, movie theaters, more people are going back to movies those past two years. Uh, people were staying away, especially for the 2020 and 2021 years. Uh, Nobody went to the movies that much, but a lot of people did, or more people. I shouldn't say a lot, but more people did. Um, And, you know, Top Top Gun, one of the reasons I think Top Gun was nominated for for so many was maybe to get more people to watch, but that's just me. Um, But everybody went to go see Top Gun. A lot of people went to go see that goddamn movie that won everything. Um, everywhere all at once, and that was a very popular movie. And there were movies, you know, the Elvis, a lot of people went to see that. So as opposed to, like, you know, your big movie being Nomad Land, where, like, no one <laughs> knows what that is or went to see it, there were movies that people were aware of that were part of pop culture, and that actually brought people back to the theater, and I think that's one of the reasons why the numbers were up.
0: Oh, I think unquestionably that that being able to have uh, Top Gun and Avatar Way of Water out there, out front, as these two genuine blockbusters that were nominated for best picture. And so that meant that the Academy did not need to do the, the idiotic thing they did uh, last year with whatever (laughs) thing it was that that the, that the Zack Snyder fans gamed uh so they so they didn't yeah. need to pretend to do that because as you say and not j- and and all the ones that you listed that Elvis was a blockbuster it, that was a big hit yeah. uh, everything everywhere all at once was people are talking about it today as if it's some niche thing that that nobody saw or nobody could process that movie by the standards of its very very independent auspices and its very low budget was a large Hit and a large and mainstream hit. hit. So, so yeah, I so I think that obviously played a big role. There was also all the You know various pieces of speculation about who was going to be performing. So you had Rihanna performing, you had Lady Gaga performing, and so those things also get people interested.
1: And also, Uh, is is anybody going to get slapped? How are they going to talk about that? You know,
0: absolutely. And so and so we we you know we always do the there's always the silly narrative that comes out when something like the slap happens, and people try pretending that the slap impacted ratings, as if people were able to travel back in time and uh, start (laughs) watching the show because they knew in the past, because they knew someone got slapped in the present, or the Future, whatever, right? The ridiculousness. Uh, so, but still, in all the fact that they could do that made a difference. Also, and I've said this over and over again: having a host really does matter. It and does. The, there was that weird, weird couple years where people are like, "Yeah, we'll go hostless. No one cares." Because one award show, people didn't care, but yeah. in the balance, people entirely care about having a host just because it gives the network, someone to promote around. So yeah. I think the Kimmel of it helps also.
1: I agree. I totally agree. I agree with all of that stuff and not surprised by the numbers at all. Um, and uh, so as a, uh, as a broadcast itself, I, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a good broadcast despite the fact that um, literally 22 of the 23 uh, awards that were handed out. I disagree with literally <laughs> 22 I would not have given the award to. The only one that I would have given the award to was not to Natu to from RRR. That's the only that's the, the song, the original song is the only one that I agree with the award had been given to. Every single award I disagree with sometimes vehemently about who they gave the about who they gave the awards to. Hmm. Not a fan I mean, by that. the way. Not a fan of everything everywhere all at once at all. Not a fan.
0: <sighs> it wouldn't it wouldn't have been my choice. It was not my favorite of the movies nominated and And so be it. I just don't have, as I said in my review over at THR, I like the things that it represents, and I like the things that it says about the Academy at this exact moment. And I don't think it's as, as facile and simple as some people want to go with. Once again, I'm just going to keep making fun of anyone who uses the word woke at this point. But yeah, yeah. but any but anyone who wants to use the argument, oh, it's the Oscars going woke. Get get over it. It's a crazy ass martial arts movie. Uh, as as someone joked on an ayahuasca trip. I mean, that is not that. It's not about wokeness. It's about that movie being utterly batshit crazy in a way that sometimes is good and sometimes is bad. I would say that it's it's a hit and miss movie for me. I, I, I like large parts of it. I like uh, Michelle Yeoh. I like uh, Ki, Kwan, uh, Ki Hui Kwan. Um, and I think both of them are fine winners. I think that probably I would have, and, and I know this is another of your favorites, of course, I probably would have preferred Cape Blanchett, but uh, for, oh, for your favorite movie, Tar. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but even that being said, to me, the fact that Cate Blanchett has two Oscars for movies yeah. that were far from her best performances, sort of, it's like whatever. You're gonna feel bad about that. I'm not gonna feel bad about that. Life goes yeah. on. Uh th- there were there were lots of things. I think you you actually do like the whales. So at least I do. I do. Brendan Fraser got yeah
1: that. he did, but like, but Colin Farrell deserved it. So I, <laughs> I no I I and I would
0: have and and. You know, I was okay with a lot of the things that it won. I would have been happier if Colin Farrell had won for Best Actor. I would have been happier if uh, if Banshees had won for Screenplay. I think those, those were a couple awards that could have made me significantly happier with the yeah. overall yeah. state of things. It, and it's just when, when there's a juggernaut, it takes away a lot of the anticipation and a lot of the excitement. So people were kind of about midway through the telecast, as happens. Every year, incidentally, people were kind of going out of their way to be like, ooh, All Quiet on the Western Front has now won a bunch of totally irrelevant technical awards. Therefore, it could win Best Picture. It was never going to win Best Picture any more or less than uh, the year that Hugo won all the awards in the middle of the telecast. It was like, ooh, Hugo's going to win Best Picture. And even when I tend to love things like, you know, uh, Fury Road is another example of a movie where it got everyone's uh, hopes up in the middle of the show. And then went the I, other way.
1: I yeah, here's the thing. I never I mean, when Fury Road kept winning all the all the cuz Fury Road is one of my favorite movies ever in the in the history of cinema. And and uh and clearly the best movie of 2015. Nothing even came close. And for a while there I was like, "Oh, maybe." And I didn't think it would win best picture. But I was like, "Maybe Miller will win." That was the only, you know what I mean? Maybe Miller will win and then he didn't. And uh but like I you know, but yeah, I, I never it never once crossed my mind Uh, Last night went or sorry, two nights ago when All Quiet on the Western Front kept winning the tech awards. It didn't even enter my mind that it would win director or that it would win. He wasn't even nominated for director, was he? He was not. Yeah. Uh, And and so I knew it wasn't going to win Best Picture. That didn't even enter into it. But I think a lot of people were. But but the thing is, like a lot of those technical awards it deserved. But it, you know, but again, I wouldn't have chosen those like for cinematography. Bardo was the most beautifully Darius Kanji's cinematography of Bardo by far. It the most beautifully shot film of last year. Um, but I, people were like, oh, my God. All, you know, it wasn't everything everywhere all at once and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. But, no, but yeah, that, that middle section where the tech awards were started going to uh, – I will say this, though. I was appalled that it won best score. I was,
0: I, I like, the, it's, it is a silly, it is a profoundly silly score, but I kind of liked it. I, I will, I will defend it. Yay. Much yeah. is
1: how much well, I will defend it. My, for me, the best score wasn't nominated. And that was, uh, the best score of last year was, uh, the Batman, uh, uh, Michael Cachacino, Cacci- 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 uh, the, the Batman was the best score in my opinion of last year. So it wasn't even nominated. But, uh, but, but, but seriously, like, I mean, if you're, if you're not going to have that nominee, the Carter, uh, uh, Carter Burwell's score for Banshees was beautiful and much better than the, (laughs) than the all quiet score, which was like three notes.
0: I, I feel a little bit – I feel a little bit bad if Carter Burnwell is going to somehow win a, uh, an Oscar for a score that isn't for a Coen Brothers movie. I feel like he probably <laughs> deserves to win one for a Coen Brothers movie at well, the very sure, least. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, ridicu- it's ridiculous that he hasn't won one it already. Is, and, and, it is, truly. And I don't I know agree. what to do with it. And, and he would have been my choice. I yeah. just – I I did kind of find the All Quiet score to be kind of – because it, it feels a lot like kind of let's do the Hans Zimmer – uh, wrong <laughs> right, right score exactly. yeah. but let's do it for a world war One right. movie and <laughs> <You're right. laughs> again sometimes I applaud a certain level of yeah. silly audacity from my movies yeah. and I and I got a kick out of it but yeah. no I'm like honestly I I think i am probably... Roughly in line with you on on sort of the overall big picture, you know. I think I think I you know again I probably would have given the award to Michelle Yeoh. I'm sure you you would have gone with Andrew Rosborough without which is,
1: question, which
0: is which is totally fine and viable. Um, but but I think Not Too, Not Too was the only one where I was like, okay, if this does not win, I'm going to kill everyone. No, exactly.
1: <laughs> you're that's exactly right. And I was and I was and I was already predetermined to hate everything because I can't stand the the Daniels movie. I can't stand it. And I, but I knew it was going to win everything. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, but like, if I, I was like, if that, if, if one of those dumbass songs wins over not to not to, I am going to be pissed. I, you know what I mean? And he ended up giving the best speech of the night. The whole car- Carpenters thing that was to <laughs> me, that was my favorite moment of the entire night was, was him giving his acceptance speech to the tune of the carpenter song. That was my favorite part of the whole night.
0: It was a great moment. And also, it was a, a pretty solid acknowledgement of the amount of affection in the room for that movie that somehow yeah. wasn't nominated for anything else. Yeah. And, you know, certain certain of those make sense for various political reasons, like India did not submit it as their submission. Right. So it couldn't be nominated for right. international feature. Right. I understand that. But even still, uh, you know, it, it surely could have been nominated for visual effects, it of surely course. could have been nominated for cinematography and, and editing and all that and stuff. And yeah. And yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So. I mean, it's
1: a wonderful movie. It's an incredibly entertaining film. Um, and and you know the it's it, you know again you want to talk about a batshit crazy movie? My God, um, it, yeah. And, and I and and maybe they only had room for one crazy ape shit movie for this year. I don't know.
2: You know I, mean? I think pro-
1: yeah. I think
0: probably that is true. I think that I yeah. think that basically people needed to get behind R R R in the same way that people got behind everything, and yeah. they they just they just didn't. Also, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that Netflix ever knew what that movie was, and no. so as a result, the fact that it became this kind of word of mouth sensation, I think they were very excited. And sure, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll take an Oscar for it, but I don't think yeah. they ever had a. Feeling that it was the kind of movie yeah. they could campaign for a Best picture right.
1: nomination, right?
0: Which you know would have been amusing. So yeah. oh
1: well, well. But it was it was the highlight for me. Was the highlight? Okay. Uh, just the show itself overall. Uh, how do you how do you feel about Kimmel? I,
0: I thought he was fine, and not not any better than that, not any worse than that. I thought his monologue was okay. I thought it was trying too hard in certain places. I, I didn't really think it exactly came out in a way that was scathing enough about the slap to be worth the effort, but I thought at least he did what he did and and he made he got the tone right in the jokes about the slap, which I appreciated. He made the um, you know, made good jokes about editing and comparing it to Tucker Carlson running the January right. 6th footage without the right. violence. I thought that right. was kind of amusing. I th- and basically, he did well guiding the show. I thought that the only time he had to do anything that was actually substantive was the bad piece of audience work as they were setting up mm. the the Black Panther song performance. Yeah. And I thought that was just dreadful. But... It was.
1: And the, the, the Malala stuff was... Uh... <sighs> I would have just rethought that completely. <laughs>
0: well, my thing is I just with with moments like that, I'm never completely sure on the strategy and what is or isn't run by the people in the audience and so you kind of wanted to look spontaneous there was the bit with glenn close two years ago uh yeah it was yeah, very yeah. funny yeah. but became significantly less funny once it became clear it had just been scripted well okay right. you don't want it to be that obvious on the other hand though if you're talking to three people in the audience and all three of them give you absolutely nothing I, yeah. you know, either you just made a bad decision on who the three people you were targeting were, or the entire bit was garbage to begin with. I think it's probably yeah. more the latter, but still- I agree. I, oh, yeah. I,
1: I do, I do love the fact that Colin Farrell plugged the. Last night's SNL. I thought that was I thought that was pretty
0: funny. Well, and we can talk about that later. I didn't think that was a particularly funny thing. The SNL no. bit. Either, no, I so. agree.
1: I agree. No, I agree. But I just thought that that was like a great answer from Colin Farrell. Um,
0: but I don't. You know. I don't know what he would have expected that Malala was going to do. I don't. Oh, know. Oh, I know. What, I know. And Jessica Chastain. Sometimes she's funny, but once she had to go through the whole process yeah. of taking off her mask to be part of the bit, it was like, is that really worth the effort? What have we gained from this? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it was bad. And for that to be kind of the primary Kimmel driven thing in the body of the show was, was a pity, I guess.
1: It was. And also like, uh, and not only that, like the bits weren't working and I was like, you know what I mean? As, as, as a performer, even I was just like, no man, no, just stop. And then they bring out the goddamn guy in the bear suit again. I'm like, no, why? why, why that, was, you... but that was the only thing that anyone laughed at in that entire
2: oh, bit. So... No,
1: man. <laughs> oh, man. It was so weird. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, but you're right. But, well, there, there, were the, there was some Kimmel-driven stuff in the monologue. I mean, he brought Guillermo in. And I thought the whole, like, introduction of Guillermo del Toro as his Guillermo, I thought was funny. Um, and then, you know, having the real uh, Guillermo there, uh, I thought was funny, too. <laughs> It was, it was fine. It was, I had
0: no, I thought, I thought the Kimmel of it was, was decent enough. I thought the rest of the show here and there, and I liked the last shot of him going to the, the Oscar telecast without an incident board. I thought that was funny. Yep. Uh, And, and that was good. And then as for the rest of the show, a lot of the things that I normally complain about they got right. And therefore, I kind of had to give them credit for a lot of those things. A lot of this stuff with the, with the Crafts Awards, I thought they did a good job of at least trying to emphasize what it is that those people do. So, How
1: many people do you think took, uh, took advantage of the code on the screen oh,
0: zero i can't i can't imagine a <laughs> single person
1: I, I i can't
0: like i under keeping in mind you know we're old and so that's right. not a reflex that we happen to have but right even once it got to you know after the fifth or sixth time they went to commercial break telling people to to use the qr code at least i knew at that point to be ready and i still didn't have any interest in doing it and then you got to the unfortunateness with the with the in memoriam uh, segment Mm. where a lot of uh, many more large names than usual were left out. And there was, there was some, like, usually I can kind of make the excuses of, okay, that person was really more of a TV person or that person died last week. So of course they didn't make it. Usually you can kind of make the excuses or you forgot that person was in the in memoriam last year. Stop whining. But people like Philip Baker Hall and Paul Sorovino, I, I don't understand yeah. how you leave those people out. Those are not those are not TV people. Those right. are not incidental people. Those right. are those are meaningful people who who basically Cindy, Cindy said, Williams.
1: Cindy Williams wasn't in there either. Uh, Cindy, though Cindy Williams, to me,
0: I can I can take that at like I understand American graffiti. Don't get me wrong. And, conversation. You know, and, and the conversation, but yeah. even still, I understand if someone wanted to say, we view her as more of a TV person, uh, yeah. whatever. I see the, I see the principle, but yeah, some of the it, people it, I didn't it, see the principle.
1: You're absolutely right. And there were, there were a few that you'd mentioned that you just mentioned. And I literally thought like when they pulled the camera back, that it wasn't over and that he was going to start a second song. Cause I was like, wait a minute. Like literally I was like, where's Paul for Servino and where, you know, and then they went to commercial. I'm like, Oh, I guess that's it.
0: Yeah, it didn't it didn't feel right. And I think also part of the part of the problem there is that for I'm going to go with 99 percent of viewers, they don't know who Walter Mirich is to begin with. And so having him be the last person like if you're in that room you know that he Absolutely. was he was president of the academy yeah. he won a thalberg award he won a hirschfeld award and he won best picture as producer of in the heat of the night he is he is associated it, with the academy to the tip-top level no totally question. get it but no if question. you're watching at home you go wait why is there not the person I recognize at the end? And so I think that threw the rhythm off a little bit, but I understand I would not have told them to do something else just to cater to people who were worried on that particular detail. Yeah. But,
1: um, ran three hours and 30 something minutes, uh, it Something
0: did like just that? keep
1: on going
2: and there's
0: yeah. look there's there's no way to avoid that when you're doing certain things like if every single best picture nominee is going to get a clip reel and I totally understand why you need to do that because I mean it it is supposed to be a commercial for the movies, so that is yeah. that is totally fine. Do it whatever, but that's already going to take a solid twenty minutes of your telecast, and there's just no way to get around that and then you have to throw in things like the the integrated into the program commercial for oh, uh God. the little, little, mermaid, little mermaid, mermaid, which I oh. just thought was horrible unbelievable unbelievable uh, really and, the, and how did you feel
1: how did you feel about the unbelievable revisionist history that Warner Brothers? Uh, and like, I guess MGM doesn't exist. Yeah, that, is, was, is that, that was that was
0: also strange. That was strange. The way I rationalized that was that once Disney was giving itself a commercial, they had to give other people a commercial too. But <laughs> yeah. it was still, it was bad. It was not, it was not good.
1: <laughs> and not that, not that you know, not that Warner Brothers doesn't deserve you know a celebration for a hundred years because Warner Brothers is an amazing studio that has provided some incredible films. But you know what? Uh, you don't don't take credit for shit that's not yours. I mean. I just, I was watching. I'm like, wait a minute. I li- literally was like screaming on my couch watching
0: that. Yeah. No, there were, there were, there were definitely those problems. And I thought that was not. Good either, unfortunately. Yeah. It, it's, uh, but, but so many things, I, you know, what else did I like? I liked the stage. I thought it was, a, I thought it was a good yeah. stage. I thought yeah. that the video screens going across the stage were really, really good, that Agreed. they used them well. So, yeah. yep. so, and, and I thought, and for the most part, I thought the performances were, were decent. I thought that the Natu Natu performance was fantastic. Yep. Uh, I thought the Rihanna performance was very good. Me too. Um, I thought that the, uh, Lady Gaga performance was was quite fine. Not, uh,
1: not, not so I, much. Not so much. I, for I, well, me, whatever.
0: I mean, it's it, look. It it is profoundly silly because for her to be the only person who didn't get introduced by anyone and to introduce right. herself, talking about how meaningful this song was, and then to do the stripped down acoustic version of the song she did for Top Gun Maverick is right. it, it, it's it's ridiculous. It on the is other hand,
2: completely. <laughs>
0: how? On the other hand, it was still how much better than the Diane Warren song.
1: A lot better and a lot okay. better than the and a lot better than the David Byrne. and I hate to say this, but that's I hate that song and I love David Byrne. I love David Byrne and I love Talking Heads. That that song is is, is, is excruciating and the performance was terrible. it it was i thought the
0: performance was actually a pretty good match with the movie sometimes i found it wildly entertaining and sometimes i thought okay that's not the way this is supposed to sound melodically so right well
1: i get and i maybe that is just a reflection of how much i hate the movie so i you know because i was like oh god here we go you know and i didn't like when i heard the song in the movie and i didn't you know and i and i and again i love david Byrne. i love him and and you know, always will. But my God, I was just... And I guess that has everything to do with just how much I dislike the film. No, it it was
0: not... It's not a good... It's not a good song. It really just is not. It's... um, But look... Stephanie Shu is a is a good singer. I don't know that their voices went together at all. So that was yeah. not great. Uh, the dancers, I thought, were fine in that moment. But then the Natu Natu dancers came out and I thought right. they were far superior. So that's right, just right. what it is. Right. Uh, but but even still, so usually the the musical numbers, they don't do anything for me. So I thought they were good. So I'm kind of, I it's just all of the things that I complain about on an annual basis, a lot of the things they got. Close to right. Yeah. And, so I, and, and I would
1: agree with that. And I would agree with that. And again, you know, like, uh, separating myself from the fact that, like, I hate, I hate the movie that won the most awards, um, I will say this. The, the the speeches that the Daniels gave, uh, as relatively untalented as I think those guys are, were really uplifting and really lovely. There's, there's just no question about it. Like, the message that the—and everybody who came up there to accept the award for that movie— it, the, the 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 speeches were inspiring, and it was a lovely message. And a really they were all I can't I can't fault the people who got up there to talk about how it felt to them and the message that they were giving to everyone. I just wish the movie didn't suck. <laughs> and and like but like the Daniels, their speeches were lovely, um, you know. And everybody who got up there and gave the speeches, they were heartfelt and they were crying and stuff like that. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, who is like, you know, I fell in love with her when I was thirteen years old and I saw Halloween. She's been my massive crush. Basically my entire life. And, and, you know, I followed her career and I, and I love where she is now. She's nuts and she's crazy. And she, you know, is really a great spokesman for being sober. And I love that about her. Um, and her speech was lovely and it was wonderful and it was a great moment. And, and I just keep pretending that she won for Blue Steel. That's the way I, that's, that's the way I look at it.
0: Um, she was, she was no doubt so close for Blue Steel. So. Yeah, or
1: she won for, she won for Wanda. She won for Fish Call Wanda. That's the way I'll look at it, you know? But like, I love the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis now has an Oscar and it's a great story and it was a wonderful speech. And I love that uh, you know short round uh you know got his academy award and at the end Harrison Ford presented it to him and it was a lovely moment of the two of them hugging and it became a meme and all that stuff and all of that stuff worked and for the people who love that movie it was a great night you know what i mean so i have no complaints in that regard like everything every message that that movie you know uh purports to be about and every speech that every winner gave you know, you know, in connection with that movie was lovely and inspiring and wonderful. So I can't bitch about that. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) any and and Brendan Fraser, who I think is great in, in the whale, even though I was rooting for Colin Farrell. I'm glad he won. His speech was wonderful and his story is great. And the fact that they were connected by Encino man and, you know, and all these other, you know, weird connections and stuff. That's all really fun stuff and part of a show that I thought was really solid, you know.
0: And connected by having done some of their most memorable work opposite Harrison Ford, because everyone's clearly forgetting about Extraordinary Measures. <laughs> oh,
1: God, that's right. And what about, uh, what about nobody mentioned uh, the fact that Michelle Yeoh is in one of the mommy movies. Uh, with? Did anybody mention that? Because she's in one of the Mummy movies with Brendan Fraser.
0: I don't know that anyone mentioned that. I've seen lots of people mentioning that because it was Halle Berry giving her the award. Because for some reason, last year's best actor winner just wasn't able to attend. What? Pretend. How? Very weird. Why? Huh? Uh, but, but it was. But it was. But it was one. It was one of the Pierce Brosnan James Bond girls presenting another one with right. uh, with the Oscar. So that right. was kind of amusing. Right. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: I thought. I thought there were a lot of nice touches to the evening. I thought Ariana DeBose crying when uh, when Kihune won
1: his Lovely. award. I thought that was that was yeah. very
0: sweet so yeah. yeah
1: and i love her man and i know that she caught a lot of crap for the bafta thing i don't care i love her she, i just adore her
0: <laughs> so. ultimately that thing with the bafta rap okay first of all never should have been blamed on her in the first place she of was course. just an actor reading a horrible horrible a bit um right, right, right. but to my mind it turned the corner into a positive meme much quicker than it deserved to I do think it was horrible I just yeah. don't blame her
1: for its horribleness no. yeah I know and I, but I love her I, I mean I don't care I mean I, I agree with you I thought it was I saw it I, it was it was ridiculous and it was terrible but like I'm not gonna dislike her I think she's insanely talented and wonderful and I love her. I I am I am totally in agreement yeah so well you know I have to say that despite the fact that like I should have hated the ceremony considering what was being honored and and like I said, twenty two of the twenty three categories that I had you know picked were ones that I would not have given the awards to. I just <laughs> and, I, and, I still, I, I, and I still really enjoyed watching the show and which I was presumably really happy. means
0: that they so they actually probably did do something right and i'm I, i'm I'm in the same boat. normally I, my tendency is just to be like, okay, this was not a very good telecast, and this was not the most exciting of Oscar telecasts. I just thought it did enough things right that I want to give it credit for the things
1: absolutely. Yeah. And I and, and again, you know, and I, I was entertained the entire time I watched the whole thing. I thought Kimmel did a really good job. Um, there were parts of it that I thought were really lovely and really emotional. And I had you know what I mean? I had I didn't have a horse in the race. You know what I mean? Except for Andrea Riceborough was literally the only person I cared about the entire night was her. And, and I knew Banshees was going to get, you know, Banshees was the only movie that I had any connection with, like emotionally that I really loved of everything. And I cared about, you know, like I, I wanted Carrie Condon to win, but you know what? Somebody I love my entire life won. <laughs>
2: so, you know, and also Andrea was
0: Riseborough was the first person on her feet for
1: Michelle Yeoh.
2: Absolutely, so, absolutely. So I think
0: I think you should love that award on behalf of Andrea Look, Riseborough.
1: And let me just say this: I love Michelle Yeoh. I do, and I'm not, and and I absolutely love her. And and I think there are so many other movies that she was better in that were better, that are a better showcase for her talent than Everything Everywhere All At Once. And, and that's one of the reasons why people are going, that people are now discovering Michelle Yeoh, which is awesome. Let me just say that. For people who don't know who she is and you know the contributions that she's made to cinema in, in here and in Asia and everywhere else in world cinema and the stuff that she's done, and and I'm glad that people are now discovering her and that people are going to go back and watch the amazing shit she did in Hong Kong, the stuff that she did with Sammo Hong and Jackie Chan. All of that stuff and memoirs of a Geisha, if you want to go there in uh, crazy rich Asians <laughs> well, you, well, you, know. you
0: you went too far there, Nick I was, I, was, I was just I was sitting here nodding along, and then you got to memoirs of a geisha and there was but she 's good in it
1: it 's a terrible movie, but she 's good in it and is, like, she, is she though yeah I mean well you know but but anyway, my point is that like I love the fact you know I may dislike the movie, but I love the fact that it's this movie is responsible for turning a huge amount of people onto a woman who 's been an, a international treasure for years so and i can't bitch that she won best actress even though andre riceborough should have you can't because it's michelle yo what am i gonna yell about her no so anyway right there with you all right all right well let's uh let's move on to uh you, do you want to talk snl with uh Sure, I wish it. I wish it had
0: been a little bit better. Is all I didn't. I didn't think it was a bad episode. Um, and I told you that the uh, the Travis Kelsey episode wasn't going to be bad, and it was not bad.
1: It was terrific, actually. I thought it was really strong. I thought he was funny as hell. Um, ah. And he actually made the only "Please Don't Destroy" video remotely funny. He's the he, that's the only "Please Don't Destroy" video, which I didn't think was great, but it's the only one that I actively don't hate. Was the one that he was in, and I thought a lot of it had to do with how funny he was in it.
0: I thought that Jenna uh, Ortega was decent in the in the one this week. Also, it was not do, funny. Yeah. And I've also forgotten what it was entirely. They, it was they a, went, rip they went off on a road of, trip.
1: Yeah, they went on a road trip, you know, very much like uh, uh very, very much like Lonely Island. It was like if Lonely Island uh, went on a road trip, what would it be like? Only not funny.
0: Well, I mean, they they're they're always just yeah, what if no, lonely what yeah. if lonely island dot yep. dot dot, but wasn't yep. necessarily funny. Yeah, so that's, that's kind all of was. their thing.
1: Yeah, yep, that's all Um
0: it was. <laughs> But no, I, I I thought that I thought she had good I thought she had good moments. I would have liked for it to be a little bit better overall. But
1: I I thought that the uh, the X Men uh, the game show X Men thing uh, kind of failed. But I thought Keenan was hilarious. Well, I mean, Keenan is always hilarious. But I thought Keenan was funny. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, a few of the other things that I thought were uh... there was
0: there was the ridiculousness parody. Which, oh was, my a, God, that... which was a strange thing to do, <laughs> but I her line readings at the end of each one of the scary things she said.
1: <laughs> I thought she they were great. great. She was, she was great. Uh, yeah, she was. She was. Yeah, that was actually that one made me laugh a lot. That actually made me laugh a lot. Um, I wasn't crazy about. I thought update was okay, but the stuff they did on update, like uh, James Austin uh, 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 <laughs> doing his quick his his fast imitations uh his two word imitations thing he does that on every talk show that he's on so that didn't really do anything for me and then who was the other uh, who who was the other update uh bit? god i've already I'm blanking forgotten on, yeah. it was
0: definitely not memorable there's no yeah so okay question. Well then,
1: yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and overall, you know, uh, you know, I thought, I thought Jenna Ortega did a, did a, did a pretty solid job and I thought it was, I thought, I thought it was okay. And I really like her. I think she's very funny and, and she brought, I think a lot to the table. So
0: no, she's, she's talented and, and I'm, I'm happy for her. I think they could have stepped it up a little bit more for her, but also they can only do what they can do. So gotcha.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, the, I did not watch, uh, the last of us finale we, with uh, no spoilers and giving things away. How did you feel about the first season as a whole?
0: I thought it was a very good uh, first season. When I I reviewed it, I reviewed the show off of all nine episodes, so I knew basically where it was going to go. I thought that because of the structure of the show, in the same way that the Nick Offerman-Murray Bartlett episode upstaged the two episodes that came before i thought that the episode with storm reed the the mall episode i thought it upstaged the things that came after it's sort of a strange rhythm that the show mm. uh set where where it simply peaked two ep- uh, three episodes in and then peaked again three episodes from the end so right. it, it, these things just happened and i thought that the finale was was fairly rushed somehow it's only like a 44 minute finale and you will absolutely be wondering where the missing episode was. Uh, and but in general, I thought it was I thought it was a very good season of TV and a season of TV that was generally better than it had any right to be
1: did uh, had, did anyone anticipate the kind of popularity that it had? i mean the, the
0: just how huge this thing has become? Oh, I think the popularity of it, yeah, because the the game is massive. I think that I don't know that anyone could have uh, guessed on the combination of popularity and general acclaim. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it, uh, pardon me now while I'm being attacked by an ambulance. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Uh,
1: but anyway. It's okay. Regular listeners of this podcast know that I live on a main street near an L track. So we're good. We're we're okay. I, I just, I just hope it's going to go by as the problem as opposed to stopping.
0: <laughs> it's in front Stopping of that's, right in front of your
1: place. Yeah. It's, well, there they go. All
0: right. We, uh, but no, I th- I think that, I think that the fact that it is going to at least as of now be a you know, an Emmy contender. I think probably the fact that Succession is ending is going to basically make it a done deal and it doesn't matter about any of these other shows. It's, Succession is going to win everything because it's going to be the last chance for it to. But I still think that probably at this point, uh, Last of Us is going to get a bunch of Emmy
1: nominations. And so, yay.
0: No, I thought, yeah. it, I thought it was a really good show.
1: And Pedro Pascal is having a minute, isn't he? He's having a huge moment at this point, like in, in everything he's doing. He
0: is he is having a moment, and not only is he having a moment, but he's milking it, and he seems to be enjoying it. So I hope he continues to enjoy it. That's yeah. that's always uh, I, I don't want it to become miserable for him.
1: No, and I agree. And I you know like uh and and I lo- and again going back to SNL, I thought his episode of SNL, I thought he was terrific on it, and I thought you know that there was some great stuff on that. And he continues to do that, and he had a fantastic moment on the Oscars last night too. Like that that's become a meme, like him looking at the camera and pointing, you know. Uh, to the camera when they mentioned the Mandalorian. Um, so yeah, he's having, and I like the guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for the guy. I think he's great. He,
0: he's, he is, he is a decent enough sort of guy, and therefore, yeah, I, I feel good for him, and I suspect he's going to be nominated for Last of Us. So
1: I would imagine, yeah, I would imagine so. So all right, I've not seen the finale. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's. I, I don't think the show's great. I don't love it. Um, but you know, I like it, and uh, and you know, and I'm, and I'm glad it, I'm glad it's still around. I just, and again, you can tell I'm not really urgent about it because I still haven't watched the finale, <laughs> the finale yet. So, uh, but I'll get to it. So,
0: It'll still be there and it'll still be fine and you will still find it rushed. Okay.
1: All right. Thank you. Uh, so you've been covering some documentaries and stuff for the South by Southwest uh, Festival, um, which we will have full coverage on our next episode on Friday. Eric Childress, who is in Austin right now, will be back in time to review a whole bunch of stuff. But you've been doing some things in, in terms of documentary, right? You, you review docs now for a lot of the fests. Indeed, it's
0: because I enjoy them. And so, and so, yay. Also, most of the documentaries tend to be heading for a television home sooner rather than later. And that's great that the documentary marketplace is what it is. I mean, I. Uh, of the five docs nominated for the Oscars on on Sunday night, four of them were docs that I had reviewed out of different Look film at that. festivals. So, Look at that. Yeah. so if anyone wants to know what it takes to get nominated for the documentary Oscar, it takes having me review your your documentary. <laughs> so, did you
1: re- did you re- did you review Nivali?
0: I did and of the five of the five films nominated in that category it was my least favorite of the five so Yeah it wasn't
1: my favorite either
0: <laughs> I, I Well I've fine. already established
1: that I didn't like anything they gave awards to the
0: other night but my my policy um when it comes to that category on uh, the Oscars in perpetuity forever and ever is was it better than My Octopus Teacher and the answer <laughs> forever and ever is always going to be yes there will never be a year in which the the um the movie that wins in that category is worse than the octopus teacher i i feel that that is a a safe guarantee and a rule to live by
1: that's a great rule that is a great Uh, rule a a
0: brutally bad movie i still do not understand that on any level
2: at all (laughs) brutal (laughs) Uh, that is fantastic okay
1: well you are reviewing some docs and and the 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 one that you that you most recently reviewed and everybody can again check us all out at hollywood reporter and the fine print is a disturbance in the force which is which is a documentary about uh the infamous star wars holiday special um please i am so intrigued by this tell me about and it's generally intriguing and that's
0: that's what it is it's 87 minutes talking about how the star wars holiday special came to exist yeah. uh what could have gone right or could have gone wrong and what it kind of meant and it takes the star wars holiday special seriously to the degree to which you can take it seriously i i mean you can only take it so seriously right. <laughs> But they have a lot of the people who were involved in making it, and and some of them, you know, Bruce Valanche was a writer on it. So of course, Bruce Valanche is going to make jokes about writing for the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> of course you know, because yeah, yeah, whatever. Right. Uh, but also, you know, how many people? And this, and I had known about Bruce Valanche. I hadn't known that the costumes on the Star Wars Holiday Special uh, were all designed by Bob Mackey. What? Really? really? True story and Bob <laughs> Mackie is in the documentary talking seriously about designing the costumes for the Star Wars holiday special.
1: <laughs> well, I guess that makes sense if you're going to do a holiday special in 1977. And you're gonna for TV, you go to Bob Mackey, right? I mean, if you... I, I
0: guess, but as yeah. to why he says yes, that's something else. <laughs> that's but right. but in the documentary, he talks about how sort of his feeling about the original movie was that he was very unhappy that all of the costumes in the original movie are black, white, and beige, and that this was his opportunity to bring some color into the Star Wars universe, which is completely accurate on on both counts. I mean, eventually right. George Lucas would bring some color into the universe as well, but. Uh, at the time that was not the case. So, and, and then you've got a bunch of the usual sort of, uh, fanboy type celebrities, your, your Seth Green's, uh, your Taryn Killam's, your, uh, weird Al Yankovic's, your Kevin Smith's, et cetera, sort of making yeah. jokes about it. And and in some cases talking about why it was important or disappointing to them, but mostly just making the ha ha ha. It's funny that B Arthur is doing a torch song in the cantina kind of thing. Uh, but I thought that a lot of the context was really well done, not just people talking about what went right and what went wrong, but also reminding people that in the mid-70s, as you say, the variety special was a thing and nobody mm-hmm. cared how cheesy they were. Yep. And and so once you show clips from a Paul Lind uh, Halloween special... <laughs> or Wayne Newton at at SeaWorld with Shamu. At at the end of the day, the Star Wars special looks ridiculous, but it doesn't look out of line. Exactly. And so so I like that that was their perspective, ultimately.
1: I think that's a great perspective, because people don't, you know, people are, oh, my God, how'd this thing get on TV? Well, you know, look at about 80% of the shit that was on TV in the 70s in that regard, like in the variety show. Look, they gave... This was in the '80s. It was the early '80s, but they gave a variety show to anybody in the in the '70s. Everybody, you know, uh, what was it? The Starlight Vocal Band. Uh, they had a variety show, as you know, and David Letterman wrote for it. I mean, and was an appear- and, and did on camera stuff for it, as you know, and and also like they gave a TV series, a variety series to Pink Lady and Jeff. Exactly.
0: Which- once <laughs> once that existed, <laughs> what are you gonna say?
1: Well, you can't. I mean. <laughs> And, and so like in in and you're right and I'm glad that this kind of like gives you a little perspective on it for people who don't really have perspective if you watch it without knowing what else was going on on television in the variety show genre at that time of course it's going to come off as absolutely brain bogglingly nuts but you know not so bad you know i, I you know it, not not as ridiculous it's like it's like taking tom cruise jumping up on top of the couch on oprah's show taking that out of context and not you know ever watching an episode of Oprah where the audience goes nuts and cries and screams and flips. And, you know, John Travolta comes out and dances on tops of tables and stuff. That stuff is completely ignored because like, oh, my God, look at Tom Cruise. He's insane. That's normal behavior on that show.
0: I like that you are a Tom Cruise couch jumping (laughs) apologist. I had no idea. (laughs) Who knew? Who Uh, knew such a thing
1: existed (laughs) out there? (laughs) <laughs> I'm a Tom Cruise fan through and through, I gotta say. Um but yeah, but no, I always thought like, wait a minute, you're gonna pick on this guy for jumping up on top of a guy. Has anybody ever watched Oprah? Have you, do you remember the sketch on SNL, Dan, where um they did many sketches where, where <laughs> Maya Rudolph played Oprah? And there was one where she's like, "Everybody's gonna get it, this, and you're gonna get this," and she did it. She did that, and they would cut to the women in the audience who would go nuts. And at one point, like Amy Poehler gives birth and then grabs the baby, and heads like Rachel Dratch's head actually <laughs> explodes, and they start ripping each other's arms off and eating each other in the audience. And that is not very far from the actual behavior that Oprah audiences would have.
0: Fair enough. All all apologies Tom Cruise all apologies.
1: <laughs> but I but outside of that I mean um you know they, you got the fun talking heads guys and stuff like that and do they have is Chris Christopherson interviewed at all?
0: Chris Christopherson is uh, Chris Christopherson is not interviewed okay. but but Donnie Osmond is, oh, he and, they is show, okay. and they and they show clips from the do- and that's the other thing is that when you watch clips from the Donnie and Marie special right. that that Chris Christofferson played Han Solo in for some reason, right? Uh, that's every bit as well. That's actually probably more ridiculous because it does feature dancing stormtroopers. So, right,
2: it, right,
0: right. Th- there was a lot of stuff that george lucas allowed to happen to that property <laughs> between star wars and empire that people just don't want to acknowledge it, and for good reason
1: it's true now is lucas interviewed in this thing no, no oh way. god no
0: he you know no, he he would never do this uh similarly none of the stars um uh, the actual star wars stars are interviewed but because over the years basically anytime they go on a talk show or on a to a convention somebody will ask them a question so there's enough footage of them making fun of the special whether okay. it's whether it's conan O'Brien no uh, talking to Harrison Ford about it, or or is, you know is, Mark- Car-
1: is is there any any footage of Carrie Fisher mocking it? Uh, uh, from, yeah, from from okay, various good. interviews over the Okay, yeah. cool. Because <laughs> I know because she did some great stuff. Uh, she did some great appearances. When somebody would mention that special, she was had some gold and stuff to say. About. And
0: and everyone, I mean, you know, Harvey Corman talked about it in interviews back in the day. <laughs> B. Arthur did at least one interview where she tried making sense of it. So right. so a lot of people over the years have talked about it. So as a result, the fact that they're not either there or willing to discuss it in this kind of venue, yeah, uh, it's it's forgivable.
1: Okay, all right, well, that's a disturbance in the force. Uh, It played at the South by Southwest. Is there any word on when we're going to see this on television? Or no, and I'm
0: not. And I'm going to be very, very curious to see how this shakes out in terms of the rights and where they're allowed to actually show it. And, And because, and I, I just don't know. Like, there's a lot of mentioning of the things that are on Disney Plus and whatever, but I have a very hard time imagining this popping up on Disney Plus, given that George Lucas refuses to allow. The actual special to be on Disney True. Plus, True. but on the other hand, if you go uh, to to YouTube, the the special is there in like ten different versions, all uncut, and no one is pulling them. So at a yeah. certain point, he surrendered to the inevitability of internet proliferation. So yeah,
1: the only if it, it, the that that was a videotape that got passed around a lot in my circles. Uh, that one, and you know what the other videotape very. Late in the video in the world that got passed around in that same way, the one that I always kind of regard as like a bootleg tape that went around. I, I do not know what Winnebago man was the the whole the whole uh, series of the out, the outtakes of the Winnebago commercial. With the Winnebago. <laughs>
0: I did not see that one. On the other hand, I definitely uh, my college roommate freshman year, uh, he got a copy of of a dubbed copy of the of the tape uh, from his from a friend at his comic book shop. So that was how we watched it. And That's how you watched Star Wars. Yeah, and back then that was have, how you did it. That was the only way not, to
1: do it. Dan, have you not seen the Winnebago Man stuff? No, I have not. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. Uh, this is an assignment for you. Um there has there was a documentary in fact actually a documentary called Winnebago Man which a guy made about this sensation this viral video that got around in on VHS in the late 90s um about a guy who was making a commercial for his Winnebago's he was making a commercial about Winnebago's and it was the outtakes of him screaming and yelling and all kinds of shit and it became like this video that now is all over the internet but it was it became a VHS thing that was burned and, and handed to people. And it was all these outtakes. It was like a 45 minute tape of outtakes of this guy selling Winnebago's, making mistakes, and screaming. Uh, and so it became this viral thing. And then they made a documentary about the guy, the actual guy who, and, and if you look up Winnebago Man or if you like Google Winnebago footage or Winnebago outtakes, that's all i'm saying dan you are in for it's it's
0: i mean it's right it's right here on on youtube i see it it looks like you have to pay to watch it on youtube it looks like it's legitimate enough
1: the documentary is legit yes Yes. the the actual documentary but you can watch the footage that the documentary is inspired by you can watch the footage of this guy just like going nuts every time he makes a mistake it's the funniest outtakes you'll ever see no it is
0: it is is right here on my computer and
1: i've set it aside for viewing later (laughs) okay and you won't regret it and i'm i'm actually surprised you never heard of the winnebago man i i am now proud that it's, i'm it's i'm kind actually of in the, su- i'm actually pr- it, i'm not proud right now that i'm turning you on to something like that
0: it is it is a thing that sounds familiar as you described it, but no i've definitely never watched it okay so and i had the director
1: i, I had the director on my show, the director of Winnebago <laughs> man the guy who made it and then i went to the to the premiere here in the chicago at the chicago at the Siskel film center and um i remember that at the during the q and a the actual guy I forget the guy's name, I, I'm terrible, the, the guy who actually is the Winnebago man. He had him on his cell phone and uh, and, and and I remember like he would they would <laughs> he was in a grumpy mood on the cell phone. Uh, it's, it goes into a log. but anyway, once you see the footage of this guy like getting pissed off more and more pissed off about how he's making mistakes, it's classic. Jack Rebney, Jack Rebney, that's him, that's the Winnebago man.
0: Is the Rip Winnebago man.
1: That's him. That's him. Anyway, and, and so the director of the documentary after the movie was doing a Q and A and he's like, uh, Jack couldn't be here, but we do have him on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and he sounded all pissed off on the phone. You could hear him like, oh, what? What do you want? It's just it's classic. <laughs> Classic. I'm telling you. So, all right. Uh, what are you uh, What are you looking at? What are you looking to review? Uh, uh, and then, you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll have you back. On, I cannot. What... S- I
0: cannot say anything specific about it, but I am very much looking forward to talking to you in two weeks about Amazon's Swarm.
1: Swarm. Okay.
0: Which is uh, Which is co created by Donald Glover and. Oh and that is all i will say it premieres on it premieres on friday and people are going to spoil things about it and you should try to avoid being spoiled about it and i'm not going to be the one who's going to do it so you had me at donald that is what i'm here for uh donald glover (laughs) stars uh stars dominique's uh dominique fishback uh
1: who is who is great and Mm -hmm. that is all i'm gonna say okay that's all i need all right cool i can't wait to talk to you then all right uh dan go watch winnebago man I will watch some clips from it, and
0: now I'm going to get attacked by another ambulance. Okay, I don't always know what's a going pleasure, on,
1: Nick. man. Oh, always a pleasure, Dan. Take care, buddy. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Dan Feinberg. Dan Feinberg. Uh, yeah, Dan Feinberg uh, uh, having some issues there with his uh, with uh, the ambulance in the area. Okay. All right, that's Dan Feinberg. He'll be back in a couple of weeks. You know who's back now? Esmeralda Leon.
2: Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. By that asthma, Esmer- Esmeralda Leon Yeah Esmeralda, real yeah, yeah Esmeralda my real Yeah yeah Get yourself some asthma Love me some asthma Esmer. Esma real Leon Yeah Esmeralda Yeah Esmeralda
1: it's Esmeralda, and Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esmeralda.
3: Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm all
1: right. How was your weekend?
3: Very good. good. Uh, it was all right. Yeah. Um, I actually did partake in some of the uh, early St. Patrick's oh, Day God. Okay. festivities. Uh. I went to uh, Chief O'Neill's. They had a bunch of uh, bands and bagpipes and such.
1: Mm-hmm. I spent a significant amount of time at Chief O'Neill's. There was a oh yeah, <laughs> period of time when it was located right across the street from the Factory Theater um, when we used to be over on Elston. The factory used to be over on Elston in the prop space. And uh, we were there before every rehearsal, after every rehearsal, after every show. I mean, I was there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that place. It's great. Food is great. Very great Irish bar. And I've gotten drunk in there many, many times. So... <laughs> So, but yeah, no, I was there all the time. That was our, that was our home base when we were, when the factory was on Elston for uh, the early 2000s through like, uh, man, they were there through 2014. So they Mm -hmm. were there for like 14, 15 years at that space. And um, yeah, Chief O'Neill's is great. So yeah, I mean, and so what, you go out there on Saturday during the whole? Um, was it Saturday?
3: Had to be. That was, yeah, Saturday was when they died
1: the river. Saturday was when the parade was and all that stuff. Yeah, I can't do the uh, even. You know, even when I was even when I was a drinker, I wouldn't go out on St. Patrick's Day. You know, even as the mm-hmm. as the as the qualified alcoholic that I that I am, um, I steered clear of of uh, of uh, St. Patrick's Day, especially the day that the river has died and and the and the parade happens. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it's an old cliche, but it's amateur night, man. It's amateur day. It's like people people who you know, who don't drink, go out and go, yeah, man, I've never tasted Jameson before. I think I'll do 15 shots. It's like, no, nah, <laughs> no, 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 no. Right. That's not how it works, man. I was waiting for the bus. I go to my I, I hang out with my folks on Saturdays. Mm. You know, uh, uh, I hang out with my with my with my lovely folks uh, and we hang out on Saturdays and we eat together. Sometimes I cook. Sometimes my mom cooks. Sometimes we order her out, whatever. And mm-hmm. we watch Sven together. And that's just the Saturday I spend it with my with my with my elderly folks. Yeah, And I take the bus up there. They're only about a mile away from where I live. So I take the Irving bus and it's a 10 minute bus ride. And uh, I was waiting for the bus. As you know, Esmeralda, I live directly across the street from the Irving Park Blue Line stop. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
1: uh, so there's a lot of activity, you know. People going to work, coming back from work. You know, there's there are L's. There's a big bus terminal next to me where buses come in and turn around. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of uh, public transportation, lots of foot traffic, and bus and train and stuff. And uh, so I'm used to it, you know. Um, so I go out on Saturday and I'm waiting underneath the the viaduct for the train, and uh, the blue line comes in from downtown, and they and this is like two thirty in the afternoon on Saturday, mm-hmm. and the the waves. Of asshead amateur drunks, head to toe in green, staggering off. The one guy was crossing the street, staggering across, everything stopped, vomited in the middle of the street. Oh
3: lord! This All is two right. thirty
1: in the afternoon on a Saturday, <laughs> and uh, and you're know, like, <laughs> this is vomited in the middle of the street, pushing people away when it, when they're yeah know, like, the people are trying to get on the escalator because I went in to to load up my uh my my uh, transit card mm-hmm. at the machine, and as I was walking in, I saw people pushing people out of the way on the escalator because they were drunk. Oh, Lord. And just like people acting like assholes and screaming and running through the street and vomiting. And then, um, you know, so I post, I post this, you guys are amateurs, all this stuff. And then somebody was like, well, you just don't like it when people have fun. I guess you and I have a different definition of what fun is. <laughs> right. Because to me, fun is not pushing people, being a drunk asshole, pushing people on the escalator at a, at a, you know, at a train stop and then running into the middle of Irving and vomiting. That, that right. to me is not, I'm, I don't think I'm in, impeding on someone's, you know, day of having fun. When they're having fun is making everybody uncomfortable and they're being assholes and they're puking everywhere. That, to me, you know, everybody's like, oh, you just don't you just because you don't drink anymore. You don't know what it's like to have fun. I'm like, really? OK. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but I can't do it. I, I just can't do it. And you know, you know, as well, as you know, for a long time, I had uh, the Saturday show at the car wash. Mm-hmm. And it was at night or or in the evening, depending on what time it would start. And I would have to come down and take, I would take the public transportation down there on the Saturday. And I'm telling you, I would get down to work around five o'clock in the evening, sometimes six, six in the evening. And people have been drinking since eight in the morning. Oof, yeah. And people are falling on Michigan Avenue. There's puke everywhere and garbage and people, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it, it, seriously, it's not, I mean, it's unbelievable. The, the, I don't know what it is. But the behavior that people suddenly have—people who never drink—are like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have 15 Guinnesses and a bottle of Jameson." Yeah, no, you're not. (laughs) Leave that to the professionals like me. You know what I mean? Like, I know how to handle my liquor. And my God, Um, so yeah. But uh, there were people on on the social media like, "Yeah, I mean, you just don't look. Everybody, you want to stop everybody from having fun? No, you can have fun. Just don't vomit on the street in front of me." Don't push right. people. Don't push people. <laughs> do it in your those. own
3: house. Do it in your own <laughs> house. Yeah, you want to get
1: loaded? Do it in, you know, I mean, get loaded. God bless you. Listen, I've been drunk so many times your, your head would spin. And these people who are posting this, you don't know how to have fun. Like, dude, trust me. I had 30 years of fun <laughs> drinking. Trust me. But, like, vomiting all over the place and pushing people down the stairs, that doesn't seem like fun to me. Am I crazy, Esmeralda? Is that out of hand to think?
3: That? No, that's, uh, that's uh, a party foul, as people call it. What is that party fell? Yeah,
1: is that you is heard that, that? No, I've heard Norman fell from three from uh, Three's Company. A I know party Nor- foul. You've never heard oh, a foul. foul? Oh foul! What? I thought I swear to God, I thought you said fell f e l l. No foul. No. Okay, yes. Yeah. I thought you said party fell like Norman fell. Oh. And... <laughs> I was like... No, I know that. Oh, speaking of Norman
2: <laughs> fell. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell and I love Nick.
1: Hi Carrie. has Mr. Roper been around? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell oh. and I love Nick okay, Show. Okay, Carrie. Yeah. Just wanted to make a Mr. Roper joke there because that's Norman Fell. Oh yeah, Party right. Foul. Okay. I just thought you said Fell. I'm sorry, my ear. No, are yeah. On. All right. Okay. Now I know that. I know what that is. I just yeah. thought said, I thought something new the kids came up with. Now it's Party Fell. All right. And we, you can only see it on TikTok. Okay, all right. Uh, all right. Anyway. So, but you had fun at Chief O'Neill's. That's because that place is—that yeah, nice. Is, that's a great. Um, that's a that's a great, classy place. You're not going to see a lot of people flipping tables and vomiting all over the place at, at right. uh, Chief O'Neill's. That's not going to happen.
3: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was all right. Um, they were charging a ten dollar fee at the door.
1: Oh, there was a cu- <laughs> yeah, and then like yeah. everything
3: was everything was like nine dollars no. or something like that. Which I'm just like, wow. I mean, yeah. they knew how to wrangle you in there. They do. What, what else are you going to do?
1: No, it's true. It's true. I mean, there was a cover. Text. Yeah, it's. It's, and they'll do it again Friday because technically Friday is. Th- oh yeah. Is, is yeah Thanksgiving. yeah. God, Thanksgiving. I, I wish. <laughs> uh, St. Patrick's Day. So you know you get to like when they when it falls on this kind of thing because, mm-hmm. the, the the parade and the dying of the river green is always the Saturday before, um, St. Patrick's Day, or if it falls on Saturday, then that's the day, but it's mm-hmm. always the Saturday before. So this time. All the businesses that sell booze and food and stuff are very happy because they're going to get two St. Patrick's Day weekends.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. Because
1: you've got the Saturday where they die the river and there's the parade and all that stuff. And the Southside Parade, too. Uh, And then uh, the following, oh, man, St. Patrick's Day falls on a Friday. So that means everybody's excuse is the entire weekend they can get Mm -hmm. shit-faced.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: (laughs) Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Anyway. And I'm actually I'm actually going downtown on Friday night, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, boy. Uh, because they're showing Bullworth, the Warren Beatty movie, mm-hmm. uh, in 35 millimeter at the film center. And that's right on Washington and state.
3: Oh, well, good luck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, uh, yeah. So that's at 830 p.m. too. So it'll be prime. People will be loaded when I get. Oh, out. yeah. When I get out of there at oh, yeah, I gotta take the blue line from the Washington stop. That'll be fun Friday night.
2: Yeah, that'll, Good, that'll good be luck a with that one.
1: That'll be like between ten thirty and eleven o'clock on Friday night. i St. Patrick's Day. That's gonna be. Fun. I'll bring my. Well, I'll have the phone. I'll bring. I'll just tape everything for evidence. There you go.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so anyway, all right. Well, Chief O'Neill's. Yeah, it's a little pricey. I, you know, I'm. I'm just. I, I'm amazed. Do you know how much a pack of cigarettes are now, Esmeralda?
3: It's like 13, isn't it? 13 14. Well, $18. Oof. Yeah yeah, if, yeah. yeah. that's a dedication if you're still smoking.
1: Well, I quit when they went to 5. I was like fuck yeah. this. Like when they went to 5 bucks. <laughs> that's when I quit. And About 20 years ago is when I quit. I quit like uh, almost exactly Yeah, exactly 20 years ago. In March of 2023, I quit. Or t- t- yeah. So I quit yesterday. No, March of uh, <laughs> March of 2003. Uh mm-hmm. because I quit nicotine and caffeine on the same day and I was a real joy to be around for about a month. That was a real that was a real pleasure. Um but yeah, I quit when they when they went to five bucks, I'm like, man, fuck this. Now they're eighteen dollars.
3: Yeah, it's uh <laughs> it's crazy. Ridiculous. But hey, if you're dedicated, go ahead. Spend your yeah. money. <laughs>
1: yeah. A lot of stuff is really expensive now. I, I can't imagine you know, um, I mean, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I can't imagine being an active alcoholic, hanging out in bars now, man. I go. I mean, I I spent a lot of money on booze before, but Jesus Christ, I mean,
3: yeah, no, everything is everything has <laughs> gone up. That you yeah. even cheap stuff, and it's. I mean, yeah, depending on where you go to the the area, it's going to be what are they way more.
1: What are they charging for a shot of malort now? It's got to be like seven bucks, right? Seven, eight bucks for a shot of malort. Oh,
3: um, I have no idea. Be, right? <laughs> um. I think I it depends. I Malort. think it's mostly still five. It yeah, just depends I, on where you go. If you're downtown, it's going to be a lot more. Yeah, of
1: course it is, because it's all hip, too. It's hip to drink Malort now. Yeah. It's, which is unbelievable. I was drinking Malort when nobody knew what it was, when there was a there was dust on the bottle at Simon's on, on Claude. <laughs> there was dust on the bottle, and it was a buck a shot. It was a buck nice. a shot. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, let's talk about being old, grumpy guys who are sober now. Let me do that now for a while. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah man.
1: All right. Hey, my dad's going to tell a joke. Very nice. And that, that'll be coming up. And my dad's going to tell a joke with Rich Coes. What? What?
3: what?
1: what? My dad's going to get up on stage and tell some jokes with uh, Sven himself, Rich Coase. Um, I and can't how- wait. How, how, how would people not want to see that? How would you not want to see my 81-year-old dad on stage with Sven Gulli? Rich? Co- By the way, I want to make sure that people know that when Rich uh, is, is with us, he will not be in costume. I just want people to know that. So he's going to be his alter ego. He's,
3: mm-hmm. ri- he's,
1: he's the evil alter ego Rich Coe's that night. So-
3: his <laughs> <laughs> evil? Wow.
1: That's what he okay. says. He's like the <laughs> alter ego. He's the evil alter ego of, of Sven Gulli. He's Rich Coe. So he's not going to be in costume, but he's going to be ri- he is Sven Gulli. He is that guy.
3: Right, right. He's gonna be on
1: stage with us, and I know that you're very excited, uh, Esmeralda.
3: Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be? It's <laughs> exactly. I can't. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't Burwin. wait to see Esmeralda. Berwyn, like, right. oh, it's gonna be so good.
1: It's great, and it was fun because he stopped by our live podcast at the Flashback Weekend.
3: Mm-hmm. um
1: in August because he's there every year and he will he will be there again this year at Flashback. Have you heard some of the things that are happening at Flashback cuz you know again, you'll be there for your second year and we we'll, we we're, we're going to be oh, I haven't. we're going to be doing our podcast live uh from mm-hmm. there. There is a bit of a Scream reunion.
3: Nice.
1: Jamie Kennedy is going to be there. Skeet Ulrich is going to be there. Um there are going to be like five cast members and the writer director of Terrifier 2. Mm -hmm. which is the clown, the epic clown horror movie that everybody but me likes. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But so that they're going to be there, and that's going to make a lot of horror fans and terrify fans happy. And I'm really excited because two, so far, two cast members from John Carpenter's Christine
2: are
3: going to be there. Nice. Um, I heard, I heard that, uh, Christine herself will be Christine, there.
1: Christine, the car is going to be there Esmeralda. We get we get to we get to hang out. We get to take pictures by the car, or, you know, of, of the car, get inside Christine. I don't want well, wait a minute. I didn't mean anything. Hold on a second. That that sounded a little uh that sounded a little weird. Oh, yeah, I didn't mean that. Uh I mean the car. We're not going to get inside yeah. someone named Christine. That's going to be that's a whole right. different lawsuit.
3: Yeah, that's a whole other uh convention. <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs>
1: So, but yeah, Christine, the car is going to be there and Alexandra Paul, uh, is going to be there. You know, Alexandra
3: Paul, I do not.
1: She, well, she played the, the girlfriend in Christine, the love interest in Christine. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, she was also, she's in a ton of movies, including 8 Million Ways to Die. She was a regular, she was a babe on Baywatch. Nice. Yeah. So she's going to be there and, um, uh, the one and only, uh, wh- uh, how do you pronounce his last name? William Ostrander is going to be there. Mm. He played, he played Buddy Ripperton. <laughs> he played Buddy Ripperton, the best guy, the, ba- the, the, the bad guy in Christine. Okay. He's like the bully, the real bad guy in Christine. Yeah. So he's going to be there. So William Ostrander who played Buddy and, uh, and Alexandra Paul from Christine, they're both going to be there and the car is going to be on site.
3: Nice. Yeah.
1: So uh, yeah, so we're gonna have fun, Esmeralda. It's gonna be a good time, and and, uh, and I'm excited. And Rich Coase is gonna be there, but he will of be course, with us.
3: Yeah, and He'll now we're be gonna be us. BFFs with yeah. him. Yeah, well, you yeah, were, we're more have, a friend. Yeah, <laughs> well,
1: I've I've been friends with him for many years, but now you're gonna be his best right. friend. You get to see him twice this year. <laughs>
3: exactly.
1: Uh, so if you want to see Rich Coase be interviewed by me and Esmeralda as part of our hilarious and really fun and prize given away and interactive taping a recording of a live podcast you gotta come to zanies and rosemont we do this once a month and it's a blast every month and we get a lot of repeat customers and we want you to come out and grab your friends it's great every month and this month is really special because rich goes is going to be there as i mentioned before mm-hmm. zanies and rosemont on tuesday march 28th rosemont dot 847-813-0484 to get your tickets now so that's going to be cool um yeah so uh, Zanny's and Rosemont. I, uh, I'm, I'm trying. I, as I mentioned, as we it will we'll be close to mm-hmm. it'll be kind of close to Easter.
3: Mm-hmm. So yes. I
1: have eggs for everybody. I have little Very. Easter eggs for everybody.
3: <laughs> you should dress up like an Easter bunny.
1: I don't know if we're going to go that far. And give but
3: People eggs.
1: I, I could uh, just we could show clips from Donnie Darko. Would that count like it? Because there's a really cool bunny in Donnie, <laughs>
3: Donnie. What if you dress up like that bunny? Ah, uh, see, that would be cool.
1: That would be cool. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. So anyway. All right. Well, it's going to be fun anyway. So Rich Co's is going to be there. We got Easter treats for everybody. Uh, My dad's going to tell jokes. Esmeralda and I will be there. It'll be fun. We've got prizes to give away, including Nick D podcast t-shirts and the one and only Sven Gulli on stage. So Rosemont.Zanys.com, March 28th, Zanies and Rosemont. Okay. Are you ready for a megaphone message, Esmeralda?
3: Oh, of course.
1: Okay. Now, the magic megaphone message, uh, the requests are out there. Uh, They're coming in. Send them nickd at gmail I'll say whatever you want or do whatever I want with the magic microphone. Whatever you want. So Alex sent us uh, uh, a request, Esmeralda. Uh, again, I will play it and then I will explain what it is. Okay. 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 Here's what it is. Actors
2: are just bullshitters who get paid. Actors are just bullshitters who get paid. Actors are just bullshitters who get paid. So. Actors are just bullshitters
1: who get paid. So, get paid. did you understand that? Yes. Okay. Do you know what's from? I don't. Okay. It's actors are just bullshitters who get paid. I also think that that's completely appropriate uh, for this to be the megaphone message right after the hour Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little explanation for what that is. That is Bette Midler from the movie oh, Out- okay. from the movie Outrageous Fortune with her and Shelley mm-hmm. Long. Alex sent a. Uh, A a, a message, an email, and you can do the same requesting it. And it says, I wanted to share one of my favorite bits that appeared in the movie Outrageous Fortune with Bette Midler and Shelley Long. I'm not sure why, but I've always thought that Bette Midler's character saying actors are just bullshitters who get paid is just hilarious. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since you're one to praise actors a lot, and don't get me wrong, I have learned a lot from movies uh, over the years from you. (laughs) I think the audio clip might serve as a great magic megaphone from time to time as a rebuttal when you say this is one of the greatest acting performances ever. So um, I guess he was tired of me talking about Andrea Riceboro and was just like,
2: actors are just bullshitters who
1: get paid. So there it is. So he wanted me to be reminded that actors are just bullshitters who get paid. And he's not, he's not wrong. So that was from Alex. He wanted to hear that. Have you ever seen Outrageous Fortune,
3: Esmeralda? <laughs> I have not.
1: It's not great, uh, uh, but you know they both—I mean—they're both really funny women, Pet Midler and, mm-hmm. and Shelley Long. So there are some moments in it that are terrific. Um, mm. Alex says, "I love your show. I've followed you for many years at the car wash. The morning you came back after you were out—quote, quote, quote unquote—sick for a while, I will never forget because I was struggling with the exact same thing you were at the time. Uh, and it was like an anthem for me. So always be grateful. I've been uh, sober since 2004. I'm alive, and it's great." Um, Very nice Yeah, when I was out sick in 2015 I was out sick Because uh, I had to go to the hospital Because of my booze And then I quit Uh, I hope uh, to meet you at Rosemont For one of your shows this year I know you have a zillion friends But I want to be one zillion and one Keep the laughs coming I love you
3: Oh,
1: Oh, thanks Alex He
3: doesn't got that many friends I don't, trust me (laughs)
1: Trust me, I don't especially, especially I'll tell you what it's well very as, sweet though also it's very sweet, but also especially since I got sober, I don't have so many friends. I, <laughs> I was friends with a lot of drunk people back in those days, yeah so, anyway. <laughs> uh all right, cool, well, that's fun if you have a a megaphone message that you want to send to us, just email us or call us uh uh, uh for the voicemail all right um as all the, so this one of the topics that we have on our little uh Shared document where we talk about things that we love that that we want to talk about on the show mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, is about uh, like myths about celebrities that may or may not be true. Mm-hmm. Did you take a look at this?
3: I did. Yeah.
1: What What are your thoughts on some of these? Because this is like you know you hear certain things, big rumors about celebrities or right that kind of stuff. I'm all, go, I'm just
3: always true. amazed. Yeah. By some of these because some of these are like just. I mean I guess that's what a rumor is, but it's like just 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 enough to be like, wait a minute, maybe. But like so ridiculous.
1: Well, you know which one's not on here? Not in this mm. article? That one that I heard when I was like probably thirteen ish and mm-hmm. and it and it became like it it ran for a long like the one the, the Richard Gere one with the gerbil is in here. Right. Now, we've all heard that. Richard Gere, you know, had a gerbil up his ass, you know, like all that stuff. We've heard that one before. And, of course, it's not true. Uh, But, you know, because it's so persistent and it was a rumor everywhere. And you have to understand that these, most of these rumors, not most of them, but many of these rumors, like the gerbil up, up Richard Gere's ass, this is well before social media when rumors start every day.
3: Right. Which is always astonishing to think, like, how far it's gotten. Yeah. And, like how it's spread without social media, and it just being word of mouth. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, now you could start a rumor anywhere and people are going to believe it because of the dumbass world of the internet and social media. Because social media, you know, social media for the good things that it does, a lot of bullshit happens on social media. Because any kind of, you know, lie perpetuated by some jagoff can be pushed onto social media and people will believe it within 15 minutes.
3: Oh, for sure. Um, For sure. but,
1: but a lot of these are re- like the, the gerbil. I don't know who started
3: it. right? You know what I, I mean? I would like, love to know the one, the first, the first person who was just like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Richard gear and gerbil. Like, wow. Yeah.
1: Well, here's the, here's what it says in this article. It says Richard rumor, Richard gear dabbles in gerbiling using ache, also known as using gerbils as butt plugs. Fun mm-hmm. fact, there is literally no proof of this. The rumor was so rampant that the National Enquirer gossip columnist, Mike Walker, was quoted as saying, I've never worked harder on a story in my life. I'm convinced there's nothing more to it than an urban legend. Now, when someone from the National Enquirer is like, no, it's not true, you know.
3: <laughs> Even they're just like, no, it's not. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> now, had you do you remember hearing that? Do you remember hearing the gerbil up the ass story? Was that something yeah. you
3: yeah, totally. Yeah. I yeah. I, I've, I don't know how or where it's <laughs> always I just know it.
1: Right. It is. It's been part of our subconscious for many yeah. years. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how it started. I would love to be able to. I, you know, that's the next Nicolas Cage National Treasure movie is to find out where these things start. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, I'm going to find out who started the gerbil, the gerbil uh, uh, rumor. <laughs> but here's the one that's not in here, Esmeralda. It's very similar to mm-hmm. the Richard Gere. Now you've heard the Richard Gere gerbil.
3: Have you ever heard the Rod Stewart one? No, I have not. <laughs> okay. What's that one? All right. Well, this varies. <laughs> this, this. Var- I bet there are some people who are
1: listening right now who are like, "Yes, he's going to do the Rod." Rod Stewart mm-hmm. one. I bet, I bet there are people who are listening right now who know where I'm going to go with this. But there was a there was a rumor years and years and years ago. Like right when I think it was when Rod Stewart went disco. Mm-hmm. So this is before you were born as, well. This is like 1978 because Rod Stewart sure. was Rod Stewart was, you know, like he was a hard rocker. He was with Faces, he worked with Jeff Beck. You know what I mean? And then he mm-hmm. went disco with Do you do you think I'm sexy? Like he went disco like a lot of rock like Kiss went disco in the 70s. Like everybody went disco even if they were hard rock or metal they dabbled in disco because that was what you had to do in the late 70s because it was the biggest thing ever so when rod stewart went disco they people decided that they were going to make up like stories about him mm-hmm. and uh and as you know uh the disco world was uh, was was uh, associated with uh with the uh, the gay lifestyle in the 70s in the late 70s and it became, and unfortunately, disco became the target of of a lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of assholes, uh, you know, and a lot of people who were who were against the gay lifestyle. And it became like an easy target to go after gay people by going after disco. It was ugly, you know what I mean? It was an mm-hmm. it was a, it was an ugly period of of prejudice, and uh, and so immediately the the hard rock dorks, the hard rock people who were high and hated disco. I think decided that they were going to make up a rumor about Rod Stewart because he was a rock guy who went disco. Right. So here is what the rumor was. Are you ready for this? This is the Rod Stewart rumor. hmm The rumor is that Rod Stewart, after a concert, he collapsed on stage. Okay? This okay. Is, this, 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 is, this, is, this is what supposedly happened. Rod Stewart collapsed on stage, had to be rushed to a hospital. Mm-hmm. Where they uh, had to use a stomach pump to pump uh-huh. out a half a gallon of semen from his stomach. <laughs> wow! Now, now the amount of semen varies. Okay, in the story, that's uh-huh. the thing. Of that's course, the thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, man. My my buddies would go, yeah. Listen, he had five gallons of cum in his stomach, and they had to pump. And I'm like, what are you? T- <laughs> what are you talking about? So they, that was the rumor. Now, if you if you're Googling it. Mm-hmm. It is a popular. It's a. It was a rumor that was, that was for years following around Rod Stewart. I think it almost reached gerbil heights. Uh, and it was Rod Stewart collapsed on stage and had to have his stomach pumped because there were like a gallon. There was a gallon of semen in his stomach, and they had to pump. Right. Out the semen. So that was the, that was the rumor that went around. And there were and I remember like in eighth grade or something like that. People were like, "Yeah, Rod Stewart. Did you hear about that? They had to pump cum out of his stomach." I'm like, "What are you
3: talking?" What are you talking about? And that that was the most straight man rumor. Oh my God! Are you kidding?
1: Of course it was. (laughs) It was straight rock. It was straight rock. It makes
3: no sense.
1: No, of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. But it was one of those deals. It was like, oh yeah. Well, you know, he went disco, so that must mean that he that he drinks semen. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? That's like where the that's where the where the where the uh, burned out. You know, let's go to disco demolition, guys. That's where their mind. That's where their mind went. You know God what I mean? Lord. And see, I hung out with those guys, but I didn't feel that way. I, like, hung out mm-hmm. with those guys. I went to Disco Demolition. I was there. And I'm not lying. I was there. And yet, I, I so many lunkheads that I went with, you know, were obviously anti-gay. And obviously, like, anytime, like, you know, like, do you think I'm sexy? Mm-hmm. When that came out, everybody hated Rod Stewart at that point, you know. So immediately it's like oh yeah he must he must be you know he must be uh, uh uh you know choking on semen that's why he that's why he passed out on stage now there there was a tie into this because he did at one point he did collapse on stage okay and it's be, you know, it, was, it was because of drugs, I think, not because of semen. You know what I mean?
3: It's just plain old drugs. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, and those idiots who started the rumor shouldn't be disappointed by that. You know what I, mean? you know what right? I mean? <laughs> But no, yeah, you're absolutely right, Esmeralda. That is the most straight white guy response rumor that you could possibly imagine but that was a rumor it's it was out there everybody i know like people that i like i met scott Oaken years after that rumor and i'm like hey you remember the rumor where rod stewart and he cut me off and go yeah 14 gallons of semen in his stomach i'm like yeah,
3: yes 14 gallons no and, and, and
1: i'm not kidding us <laughs> bro it got Lord. to the point it got to the point where it was like that it was like he had 14 gallons of semen in his stomach I'm like, what are you talking about <laughs> first of all you can't you're not gonna drink 14 gallons of, of semen who the hell produces 14 gallons of semen and how right? long does it take
3: to produce 14 gallons of semen. I mean, where... See, how, and then, but the thing is, like, if you... If someone tells you that rumor, and then you go, how could that even be possible? And then you just get all these... Stri- it's so... It's so... Ho- like, just, like, um... How it gets, like, very sexual. It's so weird, like, with straight yeah. guys. How they no, do the. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know what? Like, when I jack off, I make so much cum. It's like... Yeah. You're talk okay, cool, yeah. dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. What was it that uh, Andrew Dice Clay, uh, uh, one of his bits was, uh, where it's like, yeah, I got, to- no, no, no. I'm sorry, it's Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary says, uh, he was he was talking about how, I can't think it was Dennis Leary, but somebody was talking about, there's no way that I'm impotent. You know what I mean? There's no way that my there's something wrong with my semen. It's gotta be, yeah. it's gotta be her fault. Like, we can't have a baby. It's gotta be the woman's fault. And he was doing it sarcastically. He wasn't, you know, you know what I mean? It yeah. was like, but he was talking about how men's egos could not – they could not fathom. Men could not fathom them being the problem without right. having a baby. Oh, it's got to be her. So, like, his bit was, no, fuck off. Every time I jerk off into – you know, when I jerk off, uh, you know, and, and, and I come, it hits the wall, a baby's born. Like, it's that, that – that was like – like, it's no way it's my fault. It was like the straight guy getting really defensive. Like, there's no way. There's nothing wrong with my Steven.) Yeah. But no, that's the straight oh guy. God. Immediately, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. When I calm my feet I can, you know, I can blow through a wall with my semen. You know, like what are you? T-
3: <laughs> it's like <laughs> what?
1: what? Yeah, so so of course don't it's fourteen. I know that's 14- something
3: to like. Yeah. Brag about, but okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, are you kidding me? Last time I ejaculated, sixteen quarts came out. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and that's those are the kind of idiots that made up that rumor. And it and and the amount of semen. I'm not kidding, Esmeralda, The amount of semen that was pumped out of rod stewart's stomach would varied from person to person that you would you
3: would hear the right from. of course yeah <laughs> uh, and it was always
1: like it was like yeah cuz i think he did at some point he did collapse on stage like a of, lot of oh yeah
3: there's always like one little kernel of truth yeah yeah and like, then like, yeah and then it gets like completely... a lot of rock stars
1: a lot of 70s rock stars collapsed on stage you know why cuz they were on drugs right <laughs> they were drunk they, they were, were on drugs water. Nobody, you know, when when Keith Moon passed out during a concert playing drums for the Who, nobody said, yeah, he had fifteen gallons of semen. He, nobody said that. You know why? Right? Because Keith Moon never <laughs> Keith Moon never played a disco song.
2: Yeah. You know what I
1: mean? That's why. That's where the prejudice comes from because he never made a, He never made music that appealed to gay guys. You know, <laughs> so suddenly it's like you know he passed out and they're like, yeah, horse tranquilizers, cool. It wasn't semen. You know what I mean? <laughs> But you know that story, right, where Keith Moon passed out on stage because he did horse tranquilizers before a show?
3: Uh, I
1: don't, but oh. that
3: sounds about right. No, it,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it no, 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 no. no. what would happen. Yeah, no, but here's what happened. This was like two songs into a Who show, and I can't remember where it was, and it's true, and you can hear footage of this. I think actually you can see – you might be able to see video of it. It's a true story, Esmeralda. If you want to look this one up, this is true. This is a rumor that's absolutely true. Keith Moon collapsed on stage because he did – Horse tranquilizers, and apparently he did two horse tranquilizers, were enough to knock out three horses. Right? And Keith- no, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, because that's Keith Moon, you know Keith Moon.
3: Yeah, of so course he, did- he would.
1: He did horse trank. He passes out at the beginning of the at the beginning of the set, like two songs into the set, passes out, collapses, and he can't go on. They have to drag him off stage, take him to the hospital. He's gonna die. He did horse tranks. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, Pete Townsend and Ed Twistle and um and Roger Daltrey are out there going, well, what the fuck? So Pete Townsend goes, does any play- Can anybody play drums? And they brought a dude, an 18-year-old dude up from the audience, Esmeralda. Oh. And he finished the gig. He played wow. the gig. It's a, it's a classic story. Classic story. Keith Moon, that's a true story, not a rumor. We're bu- we're, we were mm-hmm. misbusting rumors here, but that's, an, <laughs> that's, a, that's a true story. Uh, uh, Keith Moon passed out because a horse tranquilizer, had to be rushed to the hospital, and an 18-year-old kid right from the audience who paid like eight bucks to get in to see that show was suddenly on stage playing with the Who.
3: Nice. Yeah.
1: So anyway, yeah. So anyway, I think it was. I think it was twenty six gallons of semen that was in uh, Ross. Yes. Stewart.
3: Oh, of course. That's what it was. <laughs> so anyway,
1: but that's again. Uh, you might want to look that one up, Esmeralda, because that that's yeah. a rumor that was right up there with the gerbil one. So, anyway, all right. Is there anything uh, uh, else on this uh, list that popped out at you of these ridiculous rumors?
3: So the one that, like, I, I, I mean, I've always heard, but of course, it's not true. But you, you kind of again, there's like little kernels of things is that Chloe Kardashian is not Rob Kardashian's daughter.
1: Yeah, so your rumor have to... is
3: that her okay. daughter or her dad is OJ Simpson.
1: Oh, okay, okay. I have to plead ignorance on this because I don't give a shit about the Kardashians in any way. Uh, and um, I don't know anything about them. I've never proudly. Mm-hmm. I've never watched one fucking minute of any of those Kardashian shows. Literally, I've never watched anything. But I know. I mean, I know the relationships. I know, and that's only because of the OJ thing. That's the only reason I know. Right. Um, but but so there there is a rumor. Uh, so has this been denied or confirmed? Has Chloe? Khlo- yeah, she hasn't. I mean, Khloe? she
3: she's not gonna. Yeah, and it's because she's taller. She's kind of. Like, her features are – they seem um, darker than the other girls, Mm -hmm. Um, which, I mean, they're, like, Lebanese, I think, or Persian or something. So it, like, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Because Rob Kardashian was, like – he was a darker complexioned man. Right. Um, But, yeah, everyone – I mean, because, again, people like to just throw stuff out. Sure, sure. Um, She says it's not true. No one's – they haven't done a paternity test or anything, but, you know, I don't think – Okay, I think she's not. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, but it's in—it's it's a long—it's another thing of her, because she is—she's kind of the one that like everyone would always just make fun of, because again, she was at the beginning, she—she she still is. She's the taller one. She was kind of bigger, so people would always kind of use her as like the butt of jokes. Oh, and I
1: see. Okay, all right. Okay, so so of course, immediately, it's like, uh, oh, it's O.J. They immediately want to bring O.J. into it. Oh, it's O.J. OJ's, right. OJ's, and oh, also, like,
3: oh, you can't possibly be related to the other, you know. I see. Because they're all. You're dead somebody else. Is
1: she perceived as unattractive, Chloe? And the other ones are, con- are, yeah. are perceived, like, are perceived you, yeah, as hot? Yeah, when, are the, you, the other ones are yeah, when you compare
3: them all, she's the one that's kind of thrown to the wayside.
1: Oh, man. Okay.
3: All right. It's kind of a shame because she really, like, now nowadays, like, she's. She's much thinner than she used to be. She really I mean, like they all do this. Yeah. But she I well, feel like she's had more pressure on in the, to just in, like look a certain way.
1: And again, I, I don't know anything about these people at all because I just don't care. But I'm looking at the picture. There's nothing unattractive about the picture I see about her. She's
3: Right. Well she's that's very, in, yeah, that's the that's the fucked up thing about
1: She's <laughs> very she's when she people looks very compare you to me. and everything
3: yeah. in families.
1: <laughs> it's ridiculous. Okay. And again, you know, like these rumors, most of these rumors are just such, you know, like, and again, a lot of the rumors are to most of these that, that we're going to go through. Like, you know, like, uh, you, know, tr- you know, like um, having to have 54 gallons of semen pumped from your stomach or having gerbils up your ass. Uh, a lot of these are to knock those people down. The celebrities oh, yeah, down.
3: completely because yeah.
1: of in- of in- insecurity. Like you got homophobic guys who are like, yeah, he, he, he obviously drinks cum. You know what I mean? So homophobic right. guys are going to make that rumor up. And homophobic people made up the rumor about the gerbil up Richard Gears ass. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people who don't like, you know, who, who don't think Khloe Kardashian is hot enough. They're like making up right. rumors about her. It's, yeah. So most of these rumors are and that's how rumors start, by the way, is obviously like petty lies and jealousy.
3: Right. There's never there's very rarely have I ever heard a good rumor. No, yeah, it's true. You're right. <laughs> like yeah, you're right. like you're right. Oh, really? Like you hear something really <laughs> great about that person and it's yeah. like that's never right. Right. very right. rarely. Yeah, has I will tell t- okay, happened. you
1: you know who has the good rumors? Keanu. Keanu. The <laughs> Like what? No, like Keanu is like they're not and they're like the rumors that always start about Keanu are always proven to be true and they're always good. You know what I mean? Like, you never hear, like, bad rumors about Keanu. Right. Do you know what I mean? No, like, but these things like...
3: are true, though, so they're no, not No, that's rumors, the thing. That's right, but they, but they start <laughs> they're out as facts. rumors.
1: They're sta- they, I know exactly, but they start out as rumors. People go, wait, what? He did what? And then, like, he, what, he gave up his salary and paid the stuntmen so that the same stuntmen could do the fourth Matrix? What? That yeah. can't be true. And then you look it up and you go, oh, yeah, it is true because he's that nice a guy. Because <laughs> there are, and people don't believe it because he's from Hollywood. You know what I mean? And you immediately expect the worst. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't expect someone to be nice and give a shit like Keanu does. That's he's he is a total exception to the rule.
3: Yeah. So that's well, he why the doesn't ruler... seem to have like a bad bone in his body. None, so. man. None.
1: <laughs> he's just the best. And goddammit, it, I'm seeing John Wick tomorrow, Esmeralda.
3: Nice. Yes.
1: All right. Well, look, we're, we're running a little short of time. we got many more of these rumors to talk about that we have to get oh, to. Yeah. But, but we, we have some Mexican candy that we must taste. And yes. we'll, do, we'll, we'll finish up the, uh, the myth-busting rumors another time. So explain um, some of the candy uh, that we're going to be tasting here. And this is, stuff that, mm-hmm. that, that, um, this is stuff that you're very familiar with. We went to um, the Candyland Mexican store on Pulaski and Fullerton mm-hmm. and bought a whole bunch of candy. And uh, some of the stuff. What was some of your favorites uh, 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 Mexican candy growing up? So
3: my one of my favorites we didn't get because it's not really candy, but I ate it like candy, which was the it's a powder that's just lemon and salt.
1: Right, right, right. right. You're talking about um, this, yeah.
3: Yeah. And
1: they had it at the store. Uh, they had it at the store.
3: They yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. No, it still exists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's called um, Lucas Lucas Limon, which is just Lucas lime right. and it is literally just a powder that's lemon and salt i think you're supposed to put it on drinks or beers and things like that and like right and food. and, and,
1: and, the, and <laughs> i would and, uh, just eat it straight <laughs> the rim of the glass like you would put on the rim of glass mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah yeah yeah
3: i would yeah i would eat it straight like just pour <laughs> some in my hand and then eat it and that was like a treat i was did like you, oh, did you, did your brother great. did you
1: did your brother and your parents go what the hell is wrong with you did
3: the no well because we kind of grew up with that like eating lemon and salt stuff like a snack that I would do that we well we do it my mom will do it anyway is that um she'll make a salad of sorts but it's just like vegetables so it'll be tomatoes cucumber um some onion and then you just douse it in lemon juice or lime juice and then salt and then the best part is the end when there's all the, the juice mm. at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really salty and like lime, limey, and you drink yeah, yeah. it. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, but lime and salt is a big part of Mexican uh, cuisine and Mexican mm-hmm. drinking. I mean, when you, have, you know, when you have a shot of tequila, you do the, the lime and the salt.
3: Yeah, you put it on beers. Yeah, you put it in uh, beers. We put it on fruit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a big thing. Fruit, it's a big vegetables. Place.
3: We do it. Yeah, we do it on everything. It's
1: a big it's a big flavor profile in that culture. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so that makes sense. I can understand why you would eat that by the handful. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, it can't really be any good for my, for my heart and right. my arteries, but, you know.
1: Screw it. It tastes good.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what are we
1: eating here? What candy are we eating? Again, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to...
2: You're so we have there, we have
3: two. One is a tamarind, literally just a piece of tamarind. Okay. That has um chamoy on it, which is just a sweet. Chamoy is just like a sweet thing. And um, it's like a coating a, of that, but the
1: tamarind a, is at the core. Tamarind is at the core.
3: Yeah. Okay. So it's going to be like sweet and sour. And for people by um, the way who
1: we, want we, we, we'll put a picture of this on on the Instagram. Uh, of the of the candy of these two pieces of candy,
3: yeah, and I uh, think it's I think it's mango. I'm not quite sure.
1: <laughs> okay, well, this but first it's mainly one.
3: like tamarind with chamoy.
1: Okay, all right, and it's called and it's what's is the and the brand name is. Uh, well,
3: it's called um Pulper. the the candy itself is called pulparindo.
1: Pulparino. P- pulparindo. Pul-
3: Pulparindo.
1: I'm not even going to try. You
3: got to roll your R there. Okay. I'm not going to (laughs) try.
1: All right. So here we go. I'm going to give it a try here.
3: So, yeah, this is just hard candy.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's good.
3: Mm hmm.
1: It's really good. Really, really good.
3: Yeah. So, when I go to Mexico, and you can still buy some, you can just buy tamarind, sweet and tamarind, and they sell them on like little plastic spoons.
1: Yeah. We have some of those. We have. I have yeah. some of those in my bag. I have a few of those in my bag.
3: So that's just tamarind that you just you're just eating it. You're just kind of gnawing on it.
1: Mmm, good. Okay. And this
3: is a little more. You know, you just pop it in your mouth and
1: pop it in your mouth, and it's um. So it's and not then hard. You it's get got to the, the.
3: You'll get to the middle. that is like a little more. I think mm-hmm. like a little caramelly esque. like right. Texture wise.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's the first thing. So the coating and is then- sweet. And then the inside mm-hmm. is like so. Yeah, you can and...
3: you can taste it's a little sweet, kind of really sour. Good.
1: Really good. Okay, the next one is a is is a watermelon flavored. And what's the what's the what's how you pronounce this?
3: So this one's a little spicy. It, okay. There's by the chili pepper on the thing. Oh god! We'll here we go. Um, it's called revolcaditas. Okay. Which that essentially means so revolcado revolcar that means to like roll around like covered in like roll cover oh, okay. it up so it's covered in the chili Oh, chili okay. powder
1: okay so it's like it's covered in chili powder but the middle part when you get past that is, is watermelon, watermelon okay
3: which is right. a huge That's a popular thing to do like um tahine. so tahine's like yeah, sweet, yeah, yeah. sugar salt and then you put it on fruit like okay. watermelon
1: all right well this is the hot stuff is covering the water I'm, I'm gonna put it in my mouth there we go oh
3: this is salty Oh, this one you can bite. Very salty. can't bite it. Mm. This one, oh, yeah, yeah, you have to bite because then you get the mix.
1: Oh, man, that's good.
3: So yeah, you got... I'm such liars. It's not spicy at it's all. It's not spicy at all. <laughs> it's
1: not. And for me to say that, Esmeralda, you know, that's something.
3: But, yeah. see, and that one was, like, soft. Yeah. So you'd bite it, and then yeah, you'd break it, and then you get the salty, you get the watermelon. Oh, that's so you good. you get a nice little combo. Oh, that's
1: good. When when mm-hmm. did the when did the, the 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 salty sweet thing? Man, I love it. I love. We've the always had of that. it. I know you guys. You guys have always <laughs> had it, but us, us us white boys have just discovered that recently. <laughs> yeah,
3: you know I don't mean? know where we've been. Yeah, know. we've been putting salt on. I mean, I ate salt with growing up i would eat salt with oranges mhm i used to put on oranges on watermelon i used to um, put well, I, yeah. when,
1: when i when i as a kid i put salt on watermelon all the time yeah all the time but yeah but the savory and sweet thing it's a big you know it's a oh it's a cuisine mm-hmm. now speaking of cuisine by the way top chef is back esmeralda oh my god oh my
3: god oh there you go oh
1: my god okay that was tasty Man, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to enjoy this. We got a sack full of Mexican candy. I can't wait to taste <laughs> next.
3: We got a sack full of indigestion. It's, sac- <laughs> it's going to be a lot of, because it's a lot of salty, sweet, like, in yeah. a little yeah. spicy stuff. So, yeah, um, no. I feel like Mexicans have a lot of indigestion. Yeah. Because we just like to pile yeah, but salty, I'm, I'm, sweet, yep. spicy things. That makes me happy, man. It makes me
1: happy. Uh-oh. <laughs>
2: Hi, I'm Carrie
3: Russell. Hi, Carrie. And I love okay. Nick. My show. dad
1: has to tell a joke, Carrie, so why don't you here we go. Mm-hmm. Let him in.
2: It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to
1: hear something funny. Here we go. With your music intro. Ah!
2: It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What I say, it's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Next dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! All
1: right. My dad tells jokes, and here he is. Hi, Dad. Go ahead with it. I saw a ad for a burial plot. I thought, that's the last thing I
2: need. Oh, <laughs> uh. God. <laughs> <laughs> that
3: was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, right. jokey, jokey time. Nick's
1: dad told a joke. He'll do it again.
3: <laughs> that one that one took a second. was a thinker. Like a two-second, like, wait. Uh, oh, was it was a thinker. Right.
1: Uh, okay, my dad will <laughs> tell a joke again on Tuesday in the podcast. And live with Rich Coes on stage, March 28th, Com. Get your tickets now. All right, to thank you. Eric Childress and Steve Procopi are going to join me for movie reviews. And Eric... We'll be getting back from the South by Southwest uh, Festival in Austin.
2: Oh, um, and he'll be giving nice.
1: us some, uh, some previews of movies that he saw while he was there. Uh, plus all that and more. Uh, and again, get your tickets for uh, Zanies and Rosemont on Tuesday, March 28th at rosemont.zanies.com. Be a part of our podcast sales at radiomisfits.com. If you want to buy some sponsorship, you want to uh, leave a voicemail, 773-417-6948. Email us, Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Jason Skaggs. Thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. And thanks to you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. The wind is right on
2: me.